They shall not grow old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them. This is the Remembrance Day edition of Veterans State of Mind. I'm Geraint Jones, and it is my honour today to bring you the voices of British service personnel from the Second World War, the Falklands, Northern Ireland, Iraq and Afghanistan. Today's episode is about remembering brothers and sisters, but also strangers to whom we owe so much. It's about remembering those who died, but also today is a time to remember why they died. Remembrance is a time to reflect and to be grateful. It is also a time to learn from the mistakes of the past so that they are not repeated in the future. We have a number of guests today. Some you will have heard on the podcast before and others are here for the first time. I'm very grateful to them all for giving up their time and for sharing what are often difficult memories. And I'm also very grateful for you guys for listening. My name is Raymond Smith and um, I served, well I started off, um, well I joined, when I uh, joined the ship at Ross Island and went straight to Iceland. Um, I've never been to sea on a ship before and from there we proceeded on Russian convoys escorting Russian um, tankers partly to Russia and then we pick up the return in empty ships and they school them back and then more or less um, well I think so, as soon as we was sorted out, refueled and rearmed, we were back again doing that for quite a long spell that's um, and then we were patrolling in the North Sea from there and for quite a long time hunting subs, but um, I think we had one or, one or two near misses. We think we picked one saying up, well, you know, on the echo saying that we'd got, but um, we dropped loads and loads of depth charges, but nothing came up. But, um, but you know, we were doing that for quite a long time, patrolling North Sea all the quite a few months, you know, and then <clears throat> ran into the English Channel. We were doing patrols there, still hunting for U-boats and enemy shipping. So this was all to keep Britain um, to supplied because the yes. U-boats were cutting, them, or cutting off the supplies? Uh, yes, it was. Um, that was from 1943 when I joined the, the Navy, and... Um, then gradually, uh, as D-Day were approaching, we were doing training with, you know, various landing craft. Um, we were doing that for quite some time, you know, trying to get used to what we were doing, you know, with the uh, convoys uh, in, getting ready to go to France. And I think it just happened one one day we were doing, you know, called out there and we were all grumbling, you know, another damn training session, but then they told us that was a real thing this time. And then, you know, from there on we were escorting the um, landing craft and various ships to uh, Sword Beach. And from there we were spent, you know, long time bombarding the coast um, and they were just 
continuous then, you know, power up the noise and everything. Um, um, in between all that, then we have to dash uh, back to pause, must re refuel, rearm, and then back doing the same thing for quite a while, you know, till the troops were well, well established, and then from there we were patrolling along the coast because the German e-boats, and that was still very active, you know, so we got engaged with quite a few of those. Um, unfortunately, there we have one one of our men, uh, seamen killed on the, uh, you know, fighting against these e-boats. Um, so the e-boats, Ray, are they, they're, they're the torpedo boats, were they? Well, they're similar torpedo boats, and they're uh, very fast and um, armed with um, locales, you know, with uh, either pom-poms or um, Orican guns. And they were they were pretty um, um, active, and they were, you know, they were a job, well, locales, they were a job to... Um, Hit because of the speed they were doing, but um, I think we managed to sink one or two on, on that particular day. But sadly, we lost one man. You know, and we got. Um, I think we got lost one or two. We got shelled just before D Day. We got shelled by um, German shore batteries. You know, we were. I don't know where we were, but we were close to the occupied German or the French coast, then, and we came under the very heavy German fire. I think there we did lose one or two people and quite a few injured. But and you were a very young man. You were a very young man when this happened, weren't you? Seventeen years old. I was still only um, uh, yes. Well, I was 17 and a half when I went to sea on there, and uh, I think um, I was telling one of the um, British Legion people that um, I said, you know, when we were escorting ships to, um, you know, the Russian convoys, I said, uh, uh, I said I, I was old enough to be sent on Russian convoys, but I wasn't old enough to draw my rum Russian, you know. <laughs> I bet you wanted that in the cold. And yeah, used to scrounge a bit of my shipmates, but <laughs> until I was eighteen, I wasn't able to draw it. You know. <laughs> so, what, when you were involved with with D Day Ray, did you feel did you feel how big of an did you know how big of an occasion that was, and how did that feel to be a part of it? Oh, it was when we well when we saw all the um, ships and. They were towing all the, these Mulberry Arbors. They were all being towed out, you know, and we, you just couldn't believe, you know, it was just one mass of ships. And um, and then, you know, when we got, we were close inshore and the battleships were just, well, they were several miles behind us. They were shelling um you know, probably about twenty miles they could shell in into France. Um we were shelling very close all the time, you know, just 
well, just past where the troops were all landing, you know, we could see um, the German um, occupied, well, all the um, hotels and that along the front where they were stationed, and we were literally bombarding all, all along those. Um, after, after, I think it was a couple of days or three days after the... Um, Actual D-Day, they cool. We had to go. Um, part of us had to go ashore and help the army move stores along the beach. You know, which was a bit of a job, really. But um, I think the um, beach master said to us, he said, "You might be all right at sea, you lads, but you're you're bloody hopeless on land. <laughs> you're you're more interested." Um, you're you're doing more more damage than than help really. <laughs> <laughs> told told us to bugger off back, you know. <laughs> that was exact words, like. <laughs> that must have been. That must have felt strange to be on French soil after you know years oh, of it war. Was, yeah, on that. And I mean, those um, <clears throat> the landing when we'd done the um, well where the Mulberry Harbour was, and then they we'd made like a um, a pontoon ashore, which I mean, for June it was the sea was so rough, you know, it was getting um, fortunately hell while a lot of the ship, uh, troops were going ashore, but it was gradually being torn apart, you know. Um, it was such a rough, rough day, you know, which nobody expected it really, but. It must have, the noise must have been. It, 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 well, like, the noise uh, was frightening, really. You know, it was just one continual, uh, you know, bombardment from there, and then all we could see was like, the battleships say that sea, and then when they fired, then you you know you saw like a, a huge great smoke rings were billowing towards the beach, you know, and the. Uh, the noise of those guns, continuous firing all the time, you know, that was the no worst thing, really. Is that something that's always stuck with you? Well, it was the noise and the, well, to see the, you know, damage that was being done. And we did see a lot of the, um, unfortunately, a lot of the tanks that were supposed to be, um, you know, had these flotations on, but I think they only tried those in calm waters, and of course, as soon as we were, they were being lowered from the landing craft, a lot of them were just sinking straight away, you know. So, Ray, you were a young man when you went to war. When, I was, yes. Um, when, you, when, you were, when you were a child, was... Was remembrance um, was remembrance Sunday something that happened uh, when you were a child um, where you grew up? I think so because my father was in the First World War, so and he um, he won a military medal, which my son has got all his medals and his military medals. You know, um, he used to tell us a little bit what he did, you know, but I know he got wounded, but he never did tell us how, you know. Mm. And when when you um, at the end of the Second World War, is is it something that you wanted to remember at the time, or was it some time you wanted to? Oh put yes, I you? think so. Yeah, I think um, I still kept in touch with um, 
the Royal Navy, you know, we had a Royal Navy Association in Northampton, which I used to go to it, and you always remembered the, you know, Remembrance Day and everything like that. So what 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 is important about remembrance to you that you would like younger generations to know? Well, I think really when the you think of the when we went um, <clears throat> when did go last year we went with the British Legion to um, um, all around Sword Beach, you know, ran there, and what really stuck in my mind was when you saw the thousands of white crosses, you know, and you just stood there and looked and just pictured that under all the under all those crosses there's a you know, young man, you know, who gave his life to um you know, so that we can live freely really. What will you be doing the, this year? You mentioned you, you know you went over to France last year. This year, with it, unfortunately, pe- people being locked down. Are you having? Uh, will you be marking the occasion at home? Um, well, unfortunately, I'm, um, I live on my own. I lost my wife twenty odd years ago. She was in the um, Women's Royal Air Force, you know, and um, so. You know, we always remember uh, on Poppy Day and everything on that. I think, you know, I remember all of those and my wife as well. You know, that was the, you know, the sad thing about it. But um, I think really the youngsters nowadays, I don't really think they knew the enormity of what it was, you know, and what, what everybody gave up for, you know. What do you think is the best way to to make that younger generations understand? Because there's obviously something that um, I know myself and a lot of other people. You know, we want to we want to make sure that yeah. generations coming after us remember this. So, what how do, how do you think we can do the, it? Um, stories that people tell. You know, I think um, I think that does go home to a lot of people. You know, they do listen. Hopefully, you know, I think they do. But, and I'm sure on um, Remembrance Sunday, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will think, you know, what what it was and what what it meant, you know, what it means to them, really. Well, while we have you, Ray, um, you're a young man in the military. I'd love to get your uh, pick your brains while we have you. Do you have any advice for we have young people who are in the military listening now? Do you have any advice for them about how to get through their time in the military and how to make the most of it? Well, I think just to listen to what people tell them, you know, and um, I never regretted my time in the Navy, you know. Um, we had some hard times, but I think we also had some good times. Um, I know, well, when um, the D-Day landings and all of that were over, and, and you, you know, begin to think, oh, we can sort of relax a bit and then um, <clears throat> we got um, the same ship on the Middleton. I, I was on that all the time and then of course the Japanese war was still on so we w- were sent to South Africa to get a, a refit the ship, you know, to refit it out for tropical use and then we were headed for um 
you know, the Japanese war, but I think fortunately for all of us, the Americans came up with the atomic bomb and I'm sure that shortened the that war and saves, uh, well, literally thousands of lives, you know. I agree. Um, Ray, just uh, before you leave us today, what's your uh, what's one of your favourite memories from your time in the service? Um, I think some of the hardships we went through, you know, on particularly on Russian convoys. Um, I mean, the, the ship I was on, it never should have been on there. It was too small, really, and it literally got battered. I think we had more damage done by the sea than. Uh, enemy gunfire, you know, it, it literally, um, I think if we survived that, you know, we, we got through every, anything really. And the comradeship on the Middleton was really marvellous, you know, it was, um, I always said it was a lucky ship and a happy ship, you know, and I think that's the memory that goes with me, you know. My name's Chris Purcell. Uh, I was in the Royal Navy from 1975 uh, till 1995, and I served on HMS Sheffield during the Falklands conflict, uh, which obviously was sunk and 20 people killed. So we we do have we have um, young listeners listening, Chris, and obviously one of the whole points of doing this and remembrance is that people do learn about what's gone before them. So can you give people just a a view of what happened um, to, to HMS Sheffield. Yeah, um, we've been away from the UK. Uh, we left in, uh, I think it was around November of 81 uh, for a six-month Gulf deployment around the Persian Gulf. Uh, and then on our way home, uh, we our last port call was Gibraltar. And... It was a Sunday evening, and I noticed uh, quite a lot of air activity, helicopters buzzing around, like, you know. And we were heading home the next day, Monday. We set sail from uh, Gibraltar, and around midday, we got told we will be heading south to the Falklands. And, you know, some of us idiots on board said, why does anyone want to invade Scotland, like, you know? Um, and then... Uh, we got our geography lesson, like, saying what it is. Well, because we'd been away for six months, we thought we wouldn't be going down there, or we would be going down there, just showing them the white ensign, and then everything could be um, done right, you know? Um, however, how wrong we were. Um, on the morning of the 4th of May, 1982, um, I'd just finished a six-hour watch, and went for breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning um, and then we were told to um, read a book or, or get your head down, write letters home and uh, then I went back on watch at 12 o'clock. Well, I was on what they call the, the GDP, gun direction platform, on the starboard side, the right-hand side of the ship, uh, acting as a lookout and manning the... Uh, the guns. Um, about half past one, the boss who was on the boss of the upper deck said to me, Percy said, you know all those chefs, 
he said, go down and get some hot water so we can have a brew. So I went down um, about half past one and uh, they'd just finished lunch, really. So they were still cleaning. There was no hot water available. So I, I stayed down there, put one of the, the steamers on and uh, I was waiting for the water to boil. Well, about 10 to 2, the water still had boiled. And I was talking to all the chefs, and I said, look, I said, they think I'm taking a piss, uh, staying down here and nice and warm. Um, so can you give me a shout on GDP when you, when the water's boiled? I said, yeah, no worries, Percy. So off I went back up top to the starboard side, and then that was at 10 to 2, Two o'clock, we just see this fireball coming towards us from the starboard side, and it was an exit. It it came in midships um, and killed everyone I was just talking to. Um, and apparently, that was the start of my PTSD, uh, which is a lot in the news at the moment, and. Uh, yeah, so I lived a lie from 82 to 95 and finally getting medically discharged with PTSD in in May 95. So that's my story. I'm very lucky to be alive, but we have a good group of uh, support from, you know, people you used to know, who you've got to know through the veterans agencies and... Uh, yeah, so that's my story. When you say you lived a lie, Chris, you mean in the in the sense that you didn't I, acknowledge PTSD? Yeah, yeah. I would, even though I was having flashbacks, I wouldn't own up to it. Um, however, in 1988, around that time, um, over at our Royal Hospital, uh, Hasler, over in Gosport, which is not where anymore, um, they were running uh, what they call a post-traumatic stress disorder course. And you'd go in at, at nine o'clock in the morning or something, and you'd do group talks uh, with other people who'd gone through similar experiences. And you really ought not. But after four weeks, the course had finished, and all, you had the opportunity to be medically discharged then or carry on with your devil service. So I only had a, I had a young family, um, so I thought I'll carry on. But again, the flashbacks were there. It did go away. And um, it wasn't until uh, 1994, I was on my last ship, which was HMS Glasgow, and we were coming back from Russia. And we'd we were having an exercise with the RAF, uh, which simulated exercises and all this. And I just lost it. I went down to the mess, seen the doc. He said, come and see me when we get back to Portsmouth. Uh, this was around November time. And then um, by, I said, the 3rd of May, uh, 1995, I was medically discharged. And then I started... Um, I, I I was married at the time, 
Um, I got married in 79, but when I came back from the Falklands, I wouldn't talk to my wife uh, about what I'd seen or, or done or anything like that. So I bottled it up for seven years, which uh, the marriage failed. Uh, a couple of years later, I got married again. And I said, you know, these things I need to tell you, um, and I need to talk to her about it. Well, I'm not saying she wouldn't listen, second wife, but uh, I think I must have got other nerves. And that marriage lasted seven years as well. And now I'm married to Louise. Uh, we've been married 20 years. And she listens, um, gives me guidance. Um, she's <laughs> my carer. Um, I've, I've retired from work now. Um, but yeah, so my story is don't bottle things up. You know, it, although it, it doesn't, the problem doesn't go away, but you're able to manage and get the support that all ex-servicemen uh, need. I think that's it's important for everyone to listen to, to take that on. And the other thing I, I'd be interested to know, Chris, is in the incident, because obviously you guys, you had to abandon ship, didn't you? And then the ship, yes, the yeah. ship sank. What, what was... What 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 happened to you then? Because obviously you're down, you know, you're you're literally on the opposite end of the globe from where you live. Yeah. So what what happened to you in the in the days and the and the weeks down in the Falklands after that happened? Were you put back to work or or what? Yeah, yeah, we were. Well, we abandoned ship. We had two ships come alongside us, HMS Yarmouth and HMS Arrow. Now their captains were told not to come near us because we might blow up. So, uh, but they took it on their own backs to come alongside. After about five hours of trying to fight the fire, the captain uh, then gave the order to abandon ship. So the Arrow and Yarmouth came alongside and we jumped on board, uh, I jumped on board to uh, the Arrow. We were put in the best decks and, and all the sh their ships company gave up their beds. Um, they gave us beer and fags and and all this, and then the next day we got helicoptered off um, to go on to H uh, no RAF no RFA for Austin uh, Royal Fleet Auxiliary Ship, and we were on there for about ten days. Um, we were given emergency uniform sort of thing, working dress, um, facts, and. Uh, we were put to work um, doing the the ammunition, basically, the uh, for the chaff launchers. And then uh, after that, after 10 days on there, we got airlifted off that one and put onto an oil tank called the British Esk, which it was, I think it was billeted for about 37 people, but with um, casualties and survivors, we had about 300, 400 people on there Jeez. sleeping in corridors or... On an oil tanker? But it's on, an, on oil, an oil tanker, yeah. No, I've, been, yeah. I've been on oil tankers and I know how little accommodation <laughs> there is. In them. Yeah. Well, I was I was sleeping outside the laundry. So there's people coming in and, uh, and you only had camp beds sort of thing. But the one good thing about it, when we got onto the British Air, 
I got called to the bridge to see the captain. And he gave me a signal saying my son had just been born and everything was all right, like, you know. He gave me six tin, little tins of beer and all the rest of the ship was dry, so, see. <laughs> so I had more friends around me than anything. <laughs> like. And then uh, the British S slowly took us back up to the Ascension Islands. So now we're talking 4,000 miles away from home. And um, from there, we um, we waited for aircraft or the RAF to come. And they got, we were home about the 27th of May. Um, and obviously, we, were, we couldn't look like survivors, uh, the officers said. So we were all had to get haircuts and... You know, and just don't. We couldn't talk to the press. There was news blackouts on everything, and uh, yeah. So uh, when I got surprised, my wife was there with my two kids, well, my newly born baby as well. And then we got coaches home, and I had been in the house ten minutes, and um, we were in married quarters at the time. And uh, knocked on the door by reporters, bottle of champagne, and I just told them to poke it up their ass, like, you know. So, uh, yeah, so that's it. Was there a lot of uh, loss of life on the Sheffield? A lot of what, sorry? Uh, was, there, was there a lot of loss? Did you, um, did you Twi- lose a lot of guys on there? Yeah, 20. Wow. We, we, we actually, um, there was one lad, um, we got told we were in, uh, we had gas masks in them days, and um, we got told that that'll give you about three minutes of clean air uh, to get out of the smoke filled compartment. So one of the uh, senior rates, he started going down into the ship to try and get firefighting stuff, and basically we brought it up dead. Uh, Dave Briggs, his name was, um, but. Uh, he were he was buried at sea that night, but that's the only um, we've had a couple of suicides since off the Sheffield. I think there's been two suicides, um, but there's a lot of lads still to this day still bottling it up, won't admit it. So you buried the guys at sea when you were, you you had a service when you were down there, and they they were and they said so that you they weren't brought back to the UK. The guys that died. <laughs> No, no, they, they went down with the ship. Um, there was only one guy buried at sea. Oh, oh, but that was from the Herbies, I think. They took his body too, so we could attend it. Um, but yeah, the rest of them went down with the ship. They couldn't be recovered. Um, so now she's a war grave at the bottom of the South Atlantic. Were you, you know, you had PTSD, you struggled. During that time, did you attend Remembrance Sunday um, events? Yeah, I I, re- I attended before, you know, my mum and dad used to take me as a kid, like, you know. Um, so I've always won't be poppy. Um, but then when something like this happens, you know, it, it makes it more, um, more, more, uh, to observe, you know, and think and, and take it all in and then say goodbyes, like, you know, 
there's not a day that goes by when you don't think about it. But uh, obviously this year, we've got to do our own things now, standing on the doorstep and clapping and, oh, you know, remembering. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I, I think, you know, the Roberts Legion as a charity, they're going to lose out on probably millions, like, because people have not been able to get out and plod the streets and shake the things, you know. But, uh, yeah, so that's it. How, how do you think that, like, um, well, you've got your own kids. Do you approach the, the, the subject of remembrance with them? Yeah, well, my Louise, uh, when I met Louise, my third wife, she already had two children, um, four and about nine, I think they were. Um, but in the early days of the relationship, I used to shout at her, um, and then they used to call me Mr. Volcano Head because one minute I'd be nice and calm, next minute, the least little thing might kick me off, like, you know, and start shouting at them. Uh, and it was just shouting. Um, and so later on, when they grew up, I was able to open up and tell them. And, but when I'd be shouting at them, Five minutes later, I'd expect I'd want to cuddle them, like, you know. And sometimes, because they were so young, they didn't understand. But uh, they're brilliant now, and they'd give us grandkids, like, you know. And it, it, they'll, they'll, they'll always remember. And I did Braid Marshall for, uh, for the uh, Portsmouth. And... Uh, you know, that's been a big privilege for me, uh, marching with veterans and, yeah, that's brilliant. Is there, um, is there enough done to remember the Falklands? Pardon? Is there enough done to remember the Falklands? Yeah, I, I, I mean, um, we've just had a, a plaque opened up this week in the dockyard to remember uh, the dockyard personnel who, who helped all the ships get down there. Um, and we've got on a memorial down in Old Portsmouth uh, to remember them all by. And, you know, I mean, I, I publicise it uh, whenever I can sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, I think as we seem to... We do uh, reunions of... Uh, all the ships, like, you know, and you meet different people, different stories, and the banter is still there. Yeah, so that's it. Is there anything else you'd like to say, Chris, just about Remembrance Day or Remembrance in general? Well, obviously, everything's been cancelled. Uh, it's going to be a lot different this year. Um, but if you can get out there and show your support... If you see a poppy, buy one, and uh, and let's not remember not just the Falklands, but all conflicts. They're no good. They don't achieve anything. If you see see a veteran, please, you know, just go up and shake his hand. Or you know, world wars and conflicts 
people get killed and injured and they've got that to live with for the rest of their lives. That's it. Do you think we need to use remembrance as an opportunity to learn rather than just to um, just to be silent? Yeah, we need, it, it is. And, you know, there might be people uh, who'll be able to tell you uh, whether they're a Second World War veteran or Afghan veteran. Listen to the stories. They're horrific. They, they, they don't, these conflicts don't achieve anything Death. I'm Joe, known as British Rogue on Instagram. Uh, joined the Army 2004, initially joined the Royal Tank Regiment, um, served in Iraq and Afghanistan, transferred to the Light Dragoons 2010, left the Army 2011. Did you know about Remembrance as a kid, or was it something you came into in the Army? No, I was very aware of it as a kid. I had grandparents and that who served. Right. <laughs> you can expand a bit if you want, mate. Yeah, it's, it's something I was always aware of when I was a kid. Um, always went to the the parades every year. Um, if I if I weren't at the parades, then it was always on the TV in the house. Um, the, the family was always aware of it. it was, it's just something I grew up with. Did you ever spend any of them um, any of them on operations when you were in uh, out in Iraq and Afghanistan? Yeah, both of them. Um, when I was in Iraq. Um, was on that uh, that was over on there as well just as I was coming home um, no no it weren't it, Iraq was there I was there for it and then in Afghanistan as well I came back from Afghanistan in the December how, how did it um, how, how how did it feel to have a Remembrance Day out on tour was it something did you mark the occasion um, and I, we didn't really mark it in Afghan because it was out on the ground um there weren't much, but I remember in, in Iraq, we was at the coalition base and they had like a, a sort of ceremony thing on, but I wasn't in Bastion or anything in, in Afghan. I was out on the ground when it, when it, when it was on. How's your, um, how's your kind of thoughts towards remembrance changed after your service? It has a lot more of a deeper meaning um, because rather than it just being, because um, I was with one of them in between generations where my grandparents weren't quite old enough to have fought in World War Two, they were like kids in World War Two, um, and my great grandparents who were in World War One um, were obviously all dead. So I had no direct connection to it. It was just a sort of grateful for what we have today because those went for us. But after the military, um, after having quite a few friends um, getting killed um, on on tours, it, be- it becomes then something that's very uh, very close to home. Do you th- is there anything in particular that you think of any p- like a place that you go to in your mind during that two minute silence? Yeah, I mean, I can't help it um, these days. Obviously, um, through the direct experience, what I've had, I think about those that were close to me that got killed um, on operational tours. Um, I don't really think about World War Two, World War One. I, I don't really think about um, sort of those went before. Is the thing that's a very Two minute sounds is a time when you sort of reflect personally on things, and then for me that that just stays in the moment with them, them friends. What I had that got killed, not really the sort of bigger picture. Do you think enough is done for remembrance in the country as all? Uh, I mean, it's a tricky one, really. Um, it's one of them sort of complicated questions because, like, uh, when the Americans during they have the Memorial Weekend and that. Um, and I kind of like the idea of that where everyone sort of celebrates 
and it's not just song, but it's a very British thing. And I think you can you can almost go a little bit too far with it, where it just becomes just another sort of piss up weekend. You know what I mean? Sort of like Christmas, where it sort of loses its its actual meaning. I think the good thing that we do in this country with remembrance is it never loses that meaning. It always sort of has that almost sombre reflection feel to it, and not just another another bank holiday, if you like. Um, but I think, during especially this year, um, I think the government are doing a, a very bad thing by banning all these parades that when they're allowing so much other shit to go ahead. Um, I think that's a, a great shame and a reflection on the relationship between those who those who've gone before us, um, veterans still around and serving. That uh, just goes for the relationship what the country has towards our own forces. The last couple of years, what Remembrance Sunday looked like for you? I've kept it local. I've just gone to um, a local, um, it's not really big enough to call it a cenotaph, but it's, it's quite a large memorial. I'm just a local one in my town. I've been there for the last two or three years. I've not been to any big cities or bigger events. Um, in the last few years, I've started addressing my own mental health and I've not really wanted to go around the big crowds and stuff. So I've, I've just kept it small and, and sort of local to myself. Um, and I'll be doing the same this year as well. Lockdown or no fucking lockdown. Do you go suited, booted medals? Um, last year, um, last year I did, but the other two years previous, I didn't. I just went up. But last year was, uh, I started. I didn't really recognise my own service for sort of a long time. Um, I just it was just something I did, and I just kind of blocked a lot of it out. But since I've started addressing. Um, addressing issues myself, I've now I've sort of regained that pride for what for what I did myself. So yeah, last year I I put the medals on, and I'll be doing the same again this year. I did I did medals for the first time two years ago, mate, and it felt really it feels really weird at first. You feel like a cheese bag, yeah. But then you're like, but then you're like, well, I did I did go to these places, and like, and I think the reason what I thought was good about wearing them and obviously it's not really the case this year but what was good about them was when me and a few mates went for a drink afterwards you then see other groups of lads in the same and you strike up a conversation we ended up talking with Welsh guards that were in Afghan the same time and stuff and I think that was the kind of the good thing about having the medals on was that it basically opened up conversation with other people that were around do you know what I mean? Yeah, it does. I mean, especially with the veterans. I mean, you look at the medals and you know what someone's done, you know where they've been. Um, although it's, it can be a, a very varying experience and tours may vary, you know what I mean? But you still, <laughs> you, you, can, you, can, I mean, you can read what a man's done by looking on his chest. Oh, woman. Yeah, well, yeah. But like, yeah, like you say, let's be honest though, mate, you can usually spot. It's in the eyes, man. You nice. <laughs> spot him in the eyes, but I, I like it. Been in the shit too long. <laughs> I was in the shit. I was on Operation Hastings. Um, mate, any other thoughts that you've got in general about Remembrance um, or Remembrance Sunday or Remembrance Sunday or, or just the act of remembrance in general? Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone should just pay more, um, especially this year. It seems to have always been forgotten about. Do you know what I mean? I can I can get why a lot of the old people aren't out and about. Um, doing the poppies and things um, doing because they're obviously all too scared to go because most of them are older do all that kind of thing but I think more should be done Jim we had this mass- massive push um, didn't we with the NHS and everyone out clapping and I'm not saying everyone should go out clapping for but well not veterans but clapping for the people who, who gave their lives um, every week or nothing like that but it'd be nice to see more poppies 
um, in windows. Um, it'd be nice to see more people making an effort to show the support for that because at the end of the day, everything we have today, everything we do, everything we enjoy and all the freedoms we have would not be possible if it wasn't for all the sacrifice of the men and women that went before us. So I don't really think people um, have enough gratitude and, and sort of understand the gravity of how important that is because we literally wouldn't have what we've got today if it wasn't for them men and women who, who died for it. My name is Leveson Woods. Um, I'm an author, photographer and uh, explorer, but um, I have also been a, in the British Army since 2001. Um, I spent five years in the Paras, um, and then since then I've, um, I've been in the reserves, um, serving with 77 Brigade and other units. Um, so yeah, the military has been a big part of my life um, for the last 20 years. Do you have, um, grow, growing up, did you have connections to the military? And if so, was remembering something that you knew about as a child? It was. My father was in the um, in the TA, as it was known back then, um, in the original Mercian Regiment. And my grandfather was a private soldier in the Royal Welsh Fusiliers, um, serving in Burma. And, uh, and, and it goes back actually. So I think I'm the fifth generation soldier in my, in my family. Um, the first, the first officer, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so remember, remembrance day has, has always played a big part. Um, you know, my, my dad always took me to, um, to this, you know, to the, to, to remembrance services. Um, as long as I can remember as a kid, we used to go, um, every moment Sunday, my grandfather was always there. Um, they'd stick his medals on and, um, it was, it was something that was kind of drilled into me as being really important. And I remember there was a period in the nineties when it kind of waned off a bit and, um, you know, I was really glad though, when, um, you know, it, it came to the forefront of people's attention. I think it happened probably, you know, around 2001, two, when, when, war came back really and um and i suppose it reminded people of the, of the need to remember uh, you know veterans and, and those who served you're from stoke now you're living in london do mm. you see a difference in how remembrance is conducted between kind of like working class towns and and big and the big cities well for the for the centenary uh, a couple of years ago um I, I was in London for the big parade. You know, it was enormous, and it was really heartening to see so many people turn up. Um, you know, it was it was absolutely rammed, and you know, obviously the the Maroon Beret got got a crowd of us straight to the front and you know the front line, which was good. Um, but I do like to mix it up. Occasionally, I go back to to Stoke, well, Burslem in specific, specifically where my dad was from, and we, and we go to the old. Um, uh you know the monument there and and it's you know it, it's sort of a crowd of varying sizes but i guess as the vet veteran numbers from um uh, from the from second world war dwindle um you know we're kind of buoyed up and reliant upon those who served in more recent conflicts and um so it, it's still going strong and um and hopefully it continues to do so obviously it's a it's a crying shame this year that um it won't be remembered in the way that it should be but that's just uh, the year we're in, I suppose. Have you ever come across any um, anything in your travels which you think maybe could be incorporated in, into the way that we remember? So, oh, actually, one Remembrance Sunday back in 2004. Yeah, it was November. It was the 11th, actually. It just so, so happened to coincide with, with Remembrance Sunday itself. I was in Kabul. 
um, not with the army. I was backpacking um, across Afghanistan. And uh, and I thought, and I'd heard, I'd read about the fact that there was a, a British and Commonwealth cemetery in Kabul somewhere. And it was tended to by a one-eyed um, sort of gardener who, who despite... Um, you know, it being Afghanistan, and this was before, you know, there was any real, any troops there, um, certainly British troops. This guy had been looking after this cemetery for most of his life, for about 50 years, keeping it clean, tending to the graves. And it was, it was great to see that. So I remember I, I sort of, you know, went, made my way through these um, alleyways and, and found this cemetery. And it was in, it was an amazing condition. And um, some of these graves um, and memorials dated back to the 1840s, you know, in the, in the Afghan campaign, the first and second and, and third Afghan campaign in 1919. So it, it was a real reminder that everywhere in the world where there's been conflict, particularly where the British have been involved, there are these little cemeteries around the world. And, and I've seen lots of them ranging from the ones in, in Europe, um, Normandy and places like that, to ones that are far afield. I went to the Kanchanaburi Cemetery in thailand um and the you know the, the sort of death railway victims and it's it's a very humbling experience and i think that we should just encourage people of all ages to to remember the the massive sacrifices paid by soldiers throughout the generations who fought for our freedom do you think that going on a battlefield tour is um gives you like a a, a greater understanding of what remembrance day is all about it certainly did for me. I mean, I, I was in Burma uh, two, three years ago um, and we went on a battlefield tour all the way to places like Michinyam, Mandalay and, uh, and saw, the, um, saw the exact battlefields that my grandfather had fought on, you know, in all those years ago. And that certainly brought a tear to my eye because it really brings it home. And, and you can only imagine the sort of the, the struggles and suffering that they went through. And, um, and I think it's a, it's a very useful experience because you know, war for those that haven't experienced it is 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 just a sort of word, a, a concept that doesn't really resonate. So, by actually going and seeing these these places, seeing the graveyards, seeing the memorials, um, it, it is something incredibly important because it reminds us all that we that we have a responsibility to not just the memory of those who fought, but to ourselves that we shouldn't take anything for granted. I know you're in. Um, I know. I know you're someone that you know thinks a lot about mindfulness and and this kind of thing. Do you see that there's a lot of benefits to the 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 act of stopping and the act of stopping for the world for two minutes, as it were, in thinking? You know that there's a lot of benefits to to be had from that. You know, beyond just the you know beyond what's on the surface of you know remembering the war dead. That there, there, there's a there's something to be something to be learned from the experience um, on a on a bigger scale absolutely i think the just really the concept of not thinking about yourself for a little time you know amount of time thinking about other people um putting yourself in other shoes i mean I, i've tried to do that with throughout my whole career is is to try and have empathy with other cultures and by the act of traveling and by the act of trying to understand how other people think and you can do that through meditation you can do that through travel you can do that through um remembrance in many ways um in itself is i think a, a valuable and positive experience for us all to do because um hopefully it teaches a bit of humility and, and to be um a bit more compassionate considerate and less selfish as we're moving forward obviously um 
unfortunately, every year you see less and yes, less and less and less of the old and bold at the services, and less people now have family ties to people that were in the military. How do you think that we go about engaging younger generations and future generations with um, remembrance, so that we can keep keep alive the the memories of those who went before us? Well, I think it's all in it's all in storytelling. It's in the narrative, and and it's wars a bit sort of uh, old fashioned and and not particularly fashionable to talk about these days. And and we sort of it comes and, and goes in fads, doesn't it? Whenever when we were in Afghanistan and Iraq, then soldiers were popular. There was military discounts and all this, that, and the other. And then, of course. Tommy's forgotten when uh, when there's no current conflict because people again go back to the norm of, um, um, of of starting to sort of take things for granted again. And people, when when we take peace for granted, then that sets the groundwork for conflict to begin again. And it's sadly it's a very cyclical pattern. So I, I think it's about telling stories about conflict and war, not in a way to glorify it or to make it. Uh, something that we should aspire to because of course that's not the case it's about telling stories about conflict because it's important that we don't make the same mistakes and that we can avoid it so i think the more um the more of that storytelling that can come across in a positive way the better and we sh- it's not something we should shy away from yeah i do feel like it's something that's missing from it a bit it's it's obviously it's very important to have the whole thing of remembering the people who did lose their lives, but we need to remember the reasons why that happened. Um, and, you know, for, for me personally, that's something that I would like to see more of, um, more of not just in the services, but around the whole month, you know, as a whole. We have a lot of time. Yeah. We have a lot of devices. We have a lot of mediums. Mm. There should be, you know, <laughs> this this stuff should not be hidden, you know, hidden secrets. No, absolutely. I was very lucky um, last month to, well, to in, in August, um, I was approached by the National Army Museum to make a short film about my own grandfather. And that was a really special moment. I took my dad along and we, we, we dug into the archives and um, found out a lot more about not just my grandfather's personal service, but that of his mates and, and some, some stories that I'd not heard of before and, and just how close he came to death on many occasions. And and we followed that up by a visit to, to his grave back up in Stoke. And that was a really um, emotional experience, not just for me, but for my dad as well. And it, and it brought us very close together. And I think that it would be, I'm sure a lot of people would find it very interesting to dig into their own family histories to, to, to find those connections. Because, you know, most people in this country do have relatives or certainly ancestors that have served. And, it, and it's to them, like I said before, that we, that we owe all of our liberties and freedom. So Dave Radband um, served with the first time in Parachute Regiment. Later turned into Special Forces Support Group. Served there for 12 years. Uh, multiple operational tours in Iraq, Afghanistan. All that good stuff. You grew up around Bryce Norton, didn't you, mate? Um, so was something like, was, was Remembrance Services something you knew about as a kid? Yeah, well, my dad was a firefighter, so um, I kind of went into that. Services, family if you like, so Remembrance Sunday was always something we, we took part in. What, what, did, what, what did it mean to you as a kid, if, if anything? Did you even understand what it was about back then? Yeah, well, my, um, my granddad, um, well, actually, like my, um, I, he, he wasn't my biological granddad, but he's, um, I call him a granddad. He fought in Burma. Um, and he was captured by the, by the Japs. Um, he used to tell me stories as a kid. He actually used to tell me stories about him getting an MID for 
rescuing 11 Brits from a from a POW camp. Um, so I obviously, you know, I knew about the war um, personally as well from like from my granddad. Um, little did I know that I'd go on and get an MID some 20 years later. When you were in the um, when you were in the Paris, mate, was it was the Remembrance Service something that was uh, quite heavily focused on at this time of year? Yeah, especially on tour. Um, even on tour, you'd you'd find time to to um, to do a Remembrance Service parade. I can actually remember what stands out to me is Afghan two thousand nine. Um, I'd lost my team in Afghan, three guys in um, in Afghan uh, in August. I didn't want to actually do the Remembrance Service parade. Um, so I went out on patrol when everyone was doing the parade. And I actually crashed the lads out because I got into a contact with the lads out to stop the uh, stop the parade and come and, come and, <laughs> come and support me. Uh, when, when, you, um, when you think about Remembrance then, you know, like you mentioned, you worked alongside the ANA, the Afghan National Army. Do you think about you think about those guys as well? Um, because I, I know people can get in, sucked into just thinking about you know that this is just a British thing, but obviously it's you know for a lot of us it's more than that, isn't it? I think we owe a lot to the um, to the Afghans, mate. Um, so yeah, it, they they are thought of um, it, not just on Membrance Sunday, more so on Membrance Sunday because because of, of what it is, but um, every day really because there's a lot of British soldiers that owe their lives to them. Um, and I think that's something that people should know, to be honest. Do the do the Afghans that you were with? Do they have any tradition that's similar to this? Like, how do they remember their war dead? Um, I think they have their own tradition, um, but they don't have anything like us with the uh, Remembrance Sunday. They obviously someone's killed in the Afghan army, and they they're put in the ground in twenty. Like, I think it's less, it's got to be less than twenty four hours. I think I believe it is, um, and they have their own tradition. I don't know what they do later on in the years. Do do you find um, do you find remembrance um, now that you're a civilian? Do you find it's it's grown in importance to you, or it's lessened in importance? Like, how what, what's your kind of feelings around it now? I think it's remained the same over the years. If I'm honest with you, um, it's more emotional now. Now you're out and you feel more connected to um, to who you are, rather than just be being that. I don't know that soldier. Uh, frame of mind you know that aggressive um you know what i'm talking about that mm. aggressive person um but now i'm out of the army and i i feel different it's a lot more emotional i think it's when i think it's i think ages of the other part of it mate is having more empathy because you realize like when you're a soldier you're like you're okay with the idea of getting killed and stuff because you're like well yeah i want to go out and fight and get killed and stuff and then as you get older you realize well hang on a lot of these people were just kids that got told to go. You know, a lot of them, they, yeah. they, it wasn't their dream to go and be a soldier like it was for yeah. us. Yeah. You know, so I think I think that's maybe what that is, mate, because you realise, like, I asked for this, what I had. They didn't ask for this, but they went and did it anyway and saw all yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. So, you know, when you were... Um, when, when you, obviously, like, you've had some hard times in your life after the, the military... Was Remembrance Day and that time of year a time that made it harder for you? It was harder when I was struggling um, when I was going through the whole PTSD thing. Um, it was always the last post that got me. Um, even when I was in the military, really, we used to have a so back in um, SOSG camp, we've got a memorial, memorial built, um, 
with the guys or families used to come down. Um, and obviously seeing the families there crying, emotional, it, it grips you, especially last post. That's the, um, that's the one that grabs you by the heart. If you, if you like. Yeah. Last post always gets me, mate. I used to, I used to try and zone out for it and start thinking about something else because otherwise I start yeah. crying. So I'd start thinking yeah. about something else, but then you're like, well, that's, not that's like the opposite of what you're trying to do <laughs> like do you know what I mean yeah. like, it's no point going to remembrance it's no good going to a remembrance parade and then go right now I'm going to think about something else so I don't cry <laughs> yeah so you just you just gotta suck you gotta suck it up what like it's a funny one though isn't it because it's like is like you and me are both people that believe in settling the truth and being honest about who you are but there's definitely a part of me I don't know about you that feels the resistance towards it's like oh I don't want to be the person that's crying at Remembrance Parade yeah um, I think it's when you're I think what it is there's a lot of people there isn't there hmm. there's a lot of people there when I mean, you got your medals on your chest there's a lot of eyes on you because you know well I don't know about you there's a lot, of, a lot on my chest um, <laughs> <laughs> um so, so the eyes are on you if you like. So you don't really want to. And your kids are there as well. Um, and it, it's a tough one, isn't it? Why do you put on a brave face when you should just really let yourself go? Um, I think if anything, you just try to be brave for the blokes. Really, blokes don't want you there, like a bubbling mess. They want you there, you know, pointing your hand, having a tearing your hair out, <laughs> tearing your hair out, tearing your shirt open, like why? <laughs> but uh, it's a funny one, mate, because I like. I never, like, I've never felt like, oh, I'm gonna break down crying or anything like that. But like, you know, you do get a it's few like rollers. Shedding the tear, isn't it? Yeah, you get a few rollers coming out the corners. Like you're like, what is this liquid coming out Sword, of my face? Sawdust in the eyes, mate. Yeah, it's it's more that. And and to be honest, fuck, usually fucking freezing on over um, on Remember Sunday as well. So I'm like, oh, the wind, cold winds getting yeah. in the eyes. But no, it's it's a weird one, mate, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, it's it's I find it like. I find it very, you want to be there, you want to be present, and at the same time, like, that can kind of, you can kind of get taken off your own head because you're worried about, it's, well, i tell you what it comes down to, mate, it comes down to you're worried about how you get perceived by other people, you don't want to be perceived as being like, oh, I'm being weak, or, or, or also, the other thing is, I think, is like, you're like, I'm thinking out loud about this stuff because I never really actually thought it through before, but you don't want yeah. to be, you're, you're like, what have I got to complain about compared with those people whose names are on the fucking yeah on the stuff? Like you say, you, you haven't really thought about it, but I don't think any of us think about it, about it because it's that time of year it comes around and goes. I am um, like I said, well, like going back to what I was saying, it's it's a day that you go on parade, have a few drinks, and then you never never really think deeply about what the day's about. Really, it's just a, it's a, as bad as it sounds, it becomes like a motion for me. Hmm. I don't know if it's because I just naturally want to switch off from it. Um, I don't want to think too much about it. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it, maybe it's just because every day I think about the blokes yeah. that died in Afghan. So it's no different to any other day. Yeah. I mean, this is a thing about it, mate. I feel, I find it very hard to get my head into how other people see remembrance as civvies because Obviously, I think about my own service. Like, I, then I'm not going to say every day because there probably are some days that I don't. But, but I'm, let's say most days, right? Yeah. But I'm always thinking about war. Like wars, like as always, like ever since I can remember, war has been what I think about. 
So yeah. I might, I, I'm, I'm probably, I probably do think about, I might be thinking about the Dieppe raid one day, or I might be thinking about bomber cruise one day. I'm, but I'm always thinking about it. So I, I, I can't get my head into how a civvy would think about it and be like, oh, fucking hell. There's a bunch of people dying in a war. They're mad, die, ain't it? I'm like, well, yeah, do you not think about that every day? But people don't. Yeah. And I can't get but my head maybe, into that, mate. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why it's not a prominent day for me or stands out as such because you think we think about it every day. It's, it's no different from any other day to us. We go down there, yeah, and pay our respects, um, which we don't do every day. But um, but when it comes to actually thinking about it within your, your own mind, it's no different from any other day. Yeah, and it's the thing as well, mate, like every time I go past the cenotaph, if I'm walking, I stop and I'll read some names. And I yeah. actually feel more connected to it then than I do when there's a service on. Well, my dad actually, um, in my local town, um, my dad's taken on the war memorial, so he, he? Um, he he maintains it. Um, he, he had it pressure washed back to its original state, um, and it was actually re- unveiled hundred years ago, maybe three weeks ago. And we were supposed to do obviously a hundred year hmm. um, unveiling of it, put Union Jack over it, um, basically copy it exactly the same um, unveiling they'd done hundred years ago. But obviously, COVID messed that up. Um, so I often I often go down there with my dad and like refresh the flowers, put the fence up, um, pull the fence out if someone's reversed into it, which has happened a few times. Um, you know, just maintain it with him. So, like you say, when when I've done that in the past, I feel a lot more connected to um, to it in, in some ways, some days anyway. Part of me feels like we need to get civvies to take the lead on Remembrance Day because, like you said, you're probably remembering every day if you're in the military either. Really, this needs to be a day where we get civvies to think about it more. And I think maybe, you know, from what, like, you know, I've I've done a few of these interviews now, mate, over the last few days, and everyone that's been in the military said the same thing. Yeah, I think about it all the time. So I'm like, well, maybe we're not the right ones. Like, you know, when we go, you know, I, I was very lucky to go to the Albert Hall last year for the service, but maybe having military people taking up most of the seats in there isn't the way to go. Because we're already thinking about it. Because, but then they, you can see why it's fading out on civvies. Um, probably fading out is the wrong word to use, but you know what I'm saying. Mm. Civvies aren't really that interested in it nowadays, and it's one of those things that's slowly fading out. People, people get moaned out about poppies, you know all that. What now for you with with with, with your kids and, and going into the future? Like, where do you see your kind of connection with remembrance going um what you know with what and what and, and what do you see as you and what do you see as you like in your own way doing remembrance um well, I, was, I was actually going to get onto that when um if you didn't ask but um two days ago um on saturday we went into tesco and I gave my little daughter five pounds go and buy some poppy stuff which is old guy british legion obviously um and she said to me as we walked away, what are the poppies for? And I thought, how do I explain this to her in five-year-old terms? Um, so I just blunt about it and just said, look, um, a lot of men die in war. They're giving us the life we've given now. Um, and also we remember daddy's friends do her. Uh, they, they call it the kingdom of God at her school, um, churches. So I, just, I said they'd gone to the kingdom of God, um, fighting in wars to protect us. Um, and she just stood there looking confused. And I thought, maybe a story for later on. <laughs> you know, but how do you explain it to a five-year-old? Um, but I think all you can do is just keep 
not drumming it into them, but you know, keep reminding them. Um, I think uh, as uh, as they grow up, they're going to get to know that Daddy was in the army. Daddy went to Iraq and Afghan, and like my little boy, he's just paramad. He runs around the bed, you know, around the house shouting paras. Um, <laughs> you, you go around his house, go around the house, mate. He's there with an Oxcore helmet on a, an S10 respirator, banging on the door with a <laughs> with a BB gun. <laughs> um, so I think he's going to get it quicker because he's he's more interested in that military um, that military life. But but one thing I'm not actually really proud of is the schools are are pushing it out there. Really? Um, yeah, I've got a letter today from the from a little girls' school um, explaining what they're doing for Remembrance Sunday. And they've got to make poppies and they've got this massive board that they're going to put all their poppies on and um, colouring in like the, the black soldiers. Um, you know the, the stencil soldiers, if you mm, like. Yeah. Um, which I think is really good. So obviously schools are pushing it out there as well. It's nice to know that. Hi everyone, my name is SJ James. I'm the co-founder of All Call Signs, a peer support network for veterans and service personnel. Um, I served in Northern Ireland with the Second Battalion, Princess of Wales's Royal Regiment. How long did you uh, serve for, SJ? Five years, mate. Yeah. And I, how long is uh, All Call? All call blah. Or call signs. How long have you been going for now? Say that three times fast. <laughs> uh, we've been going two and a half years now. We've had our drop-in centre in South Sea open for a year and a half. And, and just let let people know a bit more about what you do. Obviously, Dan's been on the podcast before, but just give people a little refresh, of course. Yeah, so there's three main services that we provide. So the first one is peer support for veterans and service personnel that might be of low mood or suffering with mental ill health. Um, so that's making sure that they can access the correct healthcare pathways um, that are available to them, make sure that they're able to get the support that they need. Um, and that can be everything from socialization support. So things like getting them into armed forces, breakfast clubs, getting them on days out, getting them integrated back into the military community, all the way through to clinical treatment like CBT therapy and things like that as well. Um, the one that probably most people know us for is our beacon alert system. Um, and if somebody goes missing from the military community and they're believed to be at risk of self-harm or suicide, then we create ground teams that can go out and search for that individual alongside existing search assets like the police and search and rescue um, and then the third arm is probably the one that gets talked about least but is equally as important is the campaign inside of it and the um, talking to MPs talking to the NHS looking at all of the current service providers uh, and just trying to bring around a little bit of reform in that space to make sure that the right services are available and that they're designed for veterans. Hey, hi so I'm Dan Arnold I'm 50% uh, of the team that founded All Call Signs I served also with the 2nd Battalion Princess of Wales Royal Regiment, I was fortunate enough to serve in Northern Ireland, Iraq and Afghanistan. Story topper. Right, boys. Um, this time of year, are you seeing a particular... Do you see more calls into all call signs? Do you see um, you know, do you see more dramas with veterans, less dramas? What kind of thing are you seeing around this time of year? Yeah, it's a typical busy time of year for a lot of the veteran community and serving community, I think. Things like Halloween, Remembrance Day and Firework Night all kind of run around this year, uh, this time of year, which where we see increased numbers of people reaching out for support, whether that's older veterans at home being tormented by kids knocking the door trick-or-treating or fireworks being triggered by, uh, or veterans being fireworks triggered by fireworks you got me out of it now mate i can't say either um with remembrance day naturally that's a big anniversary for a lot of us 
where we start to contemplate more about kind of losses or events that we had. 2020 being the hot mess that it is with COVID, we've seen high numbers of people coming through anyway because of anxiety, stresses, um, unknowing where their next paycheck's coming from and things. So, yeah, it's, it's been a really, really big year. And we're, we're expecting the numbers to go up, especially more so if we go back into some tier of lockdown. Um, as we see various different parts of the country get locked down, people start to isolate again and the associated impact that has on their mental health and well-being. Do you put on um, any sp- specific services for Remembrance Day or is it um, more of the same? So, yeah, it's been difficult this year. and We've been trying to find out from the community whether they want us to do an online kind of presence or things like that. It's, it's really difficult with social distancing that people can't get together. For a lot of the community, that's the one day a year where they'll meet up with people that they serve mm. with to kind of put a couple of pints back. And they haven't got that this year. Um, we're, we're asking the community what they want, but we know there's some really great online offers from other people in the community, like Walking to the Wounded and the Royal Navy Royal Marines Association. So I think we're just going to join in with theirs this year rather than duplicate lots of different services. Okay, SJ, is there any, anything in particular um, or anyone in particular or any event or story in particular that you think of when it comes to Remembrance Day? So Remembrance Day for me, it goes to two places. So firstly, I think about the kind of the traditional remembrance. So like World War One, World War Two, and I think about what that meant. And I generally the story is just really kind of compelling, isn't it? The idea that these people that weren't military by trade, they weren't soldiers by trade, um, they answered the call, they picked up arms, they went and fought for their country. Um, and there's that really kind of patriotic piece, which I think even trying to imagine that in today's climate, the idea that just the general public, the the, the general um, you know men of the country would go and kind of join up and go and fight overseas um, for their country is just really kind of overwhelming. It, it, it just brings a lump in your throat kind of thinking about it. But then I also think of uh, a friend of mine, John, um, who unfortunately lost his life. Um, and I think about conversations that we had because he'd originally got um, out of the army um, and was and wanted to be a, a firefighter. Uh, and we were talking when he was out about potentially coming down and doing some, some bits of work for me. Um, at the time, I was running a, a security company. Uh, and it just never came to fruition and it, it, we never ended up getting back together and kind of having that that conversation around it. And then the next thing that I heard um, was that he'd, he'd lost his life. Now, the thing for me was that I didn't even know he'd rejoined. I didn't actually know that he was back on, on tour. So to, to hear that just out of the blue was a little bit kind of um, left the field. Um, still something that I think about now. And I always wonder to myself if that conversation had gone different, if his kind of recruitment into the fire service had, had gone better or gone quicker um would he still be alive today uh, and my, my mind is always drawn to that uh, around remembrance day how about you Dom? yeah i think to echo sj i think it's everyone instantly typically thinks about kind of your world war one world war two sacrifices we were fortunate enough to stand on like golden juno beaches last year and just see the flat expanse that those young men had to kind of run up under heavy machine gun fire. And I think everyone transports back there and, and thinks about those sacrifices. Um, but also take time to think of colleagues that um, I lost 
that I worked alongside with, not necessarily from my regiment, but when you go away on courses and do other things and you meet people and those individuals that were lost and um, have taken their own uh, lives after kind of combat as well. It's really uh, a big time to think about those. Also to use it, to spin it and put a positive on it, it is a great time to meet up with a lad and kind of have a chat have a beer and just meet up with blokes that you might not have seen for like five to seven years. You know what I mean? It's just it all, always, always a really, really good time on Remembrance Day. Me and SJ and a few of the lads get together and we sink back kind of <clears throat> two or three sensible beers um, and, and just have a laugh and, and have banter with the boys. So last year was particularly good in the sense that we actually kind of lastminute.com got pulled into the parade and was part of it down in Portsmouth, which is a huge parade. It's one of the biggest in the country. Um, That's always been uh, an enjoyable part for me, more so because you get to meet up with people that you don't necessarily see for the rest of the year, uh, people that you might not have seen in, you know, in a few years. uh, And you just get to have that that bit of banter and it's almost like you pick up exactly where you left off you know no time has passed the conversation just streams as if you've had no time apart and it's it's nice just to catch up with people and see what they're doing now um within the veteran community you can never really kind of gamble on what somebody's going to do when they leave you know so you hear so many kind of wild stories about what people's careers are now uh, that it's quite interesting to meet up with people and do that i think historically i did used to like even as a kid going down to so i'm from uh chiswick and the the remembrance parade in eyes is always a big one because you've got high hounslow barracks and you've got a lot of cadet forces uh, just down the road as well um so it was always nice to go to that and just see kind of the old and bold with like racks and racks of medals and just all sharing their stories and you know surrounded by their family and for a lot of them it might be the first time that they've seen them in in their military regalia with their berries on and their medals and things like that. So it's quite nice that they get that time to be proud and stand a little bit straighter than maybe they normally do uh, and actually have the focus on them for a bit. Um, my name's Liz, Liz McConaughey, um, nicknamed Doris um, from the time of the military. But yeah, I uh, left school after A-levels and joined the Air Force in 2001 uh, and pretty much whizzed through um, helicopter training to end up at Odium on Chinooks in 2003. So I was only actually 20 when I arrived at Odium and then was doing the OCF on my 21st birthday and then straight out to Iraq at the age of 21, did two Iraq debts, then we pulled out of Iraq and went off to Afghanistan, so did 10 deployments to Afghanistan over the years um, because we only do three months at a time just because we've got to keep our currencies and stuff back in the UK. So, um, but it therefore comes around pretty frequently. So, yeah, 10 of those bad boys. And then ends up just over the years and a few of Falklands debts and those kind of things and various other exercises. But, yeah, my neck started to play up over the, uh, basically, I think when we pulled out of Afghanistan, it's funny how you can, like, ride the wave of pain until suddenly everything stops. Uh, and then, yeah, I ended up getting medboarded out last January. So into the big bad city world now, which is scary as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um- when you were a kid, were you were you uh, aware of Remembrance Day and Remembrance in general growing up? Uh, do you know what? Not so much, really, because uh, being Northern Irish and stuff like that, there wasn't that many. Like we didn't go down to Remembrance Services and that kind of thing. And although my brother's in the military, he joined a year before me. We're not a military family, so I'd say we were aware of it, but I didn't go every year, ironically. So, what was kind of your impression of it then when you came into the military? Uh. Sort of. Um, in the early days, still very much, uh, it was sort of enforced 
go along, uh, you were on duty for the weekend, that kind of thing. It was a bit of a hindrance. But as the years progressed through my time in Afghanistan, it's one of those things that I would just never, ever miss now. And it's, it really starts to resonate with you the older you get and the more experiences you get within the military, I think. Yeah, me, me, me and one of the previous guests were sort of talking about this and like, I wonder how many people would go in the military if it wasn't mandatory. Because it's, it's very, you don't have a concept of death really and stuff when you're at that age, do you? Especially, or, and what other people have given up. Um, yeah. So, so you, you mentioned that it changed over time. Then, do you remember um, any particular remembrance services while you were while you were deployed that were particularly memorable? I think most of mine were again coming to the remembrance thing is not just remembrance on the eleventh. It was things like ramp ceremonies. Going to those, it was it became an honour to attend a ramp ceremony. It was never sort of a three line whip. Um, and certainly towards the end of my sort of years, as I got a bit older and bolder, some of the young lads whinging that they couldn't go to the gym because there was a ramp ceremony on. And I got a bit medieval saying, you know, you should be honoured to be able to go and attend that. So, um, yeah, I think um, there's there's nothing. And then I became quite heavily involved in the British Legion towards the end of my time in the forces. So I did quite a lot of stuff with them at Remembrance Services. But they always hit home a little bit more whenever you've lost a colleague that year. And you just sort of, it, it certainly resonates a lot closer to home. Yeah, I think that's that's really um, an important point. Actually, I hadn't even thought about that. That there's that there's a like um, bleed over from ramp ceremonies, ba- um, you know, the the vigils and stuff that you get in Bastion and all that, yeah. because it follows a very similar format to Remembrance Sunday, doesn't it? So yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. It's a really good point. Um, yeah. So. It, w- when it when you were when you were serving then, and obviously, unfortunately, as you do, you you know you lost comrades and you were um, you were on the mert for a while, so you saw mm. firsthand you know what was going on to to the people, unfortunately, not making it out there in one piece or making it out alive. What is remembrance? What does it mean to you now that you are, as you put it, a civvy? Mm-hmm. So I think over the years. Um, Whenever we were, I was initially on merch, um, picking up the guys in the battlefields and, and picking up guys that had obviously paid the ultimate price was we had to sort of separate ourselves very much from it and almost still maintain our job and do our job, which was man the weapons, look out the window, get the aircraft safely back to Bastion. Um, and you tried not to get sort of too emotionally connected with whoever you were picking up. If they had paid the ultimate price, you sort of tried not to be- let it be personalized. Otherwise, it would just sort of eat you up inside, I think. Um, and over the years, that's kind of very much how I treated it. But I picked up uh, a camera boy year it was because let's say like, there were so many deployments. It was one year picked up five British soldiers in one sitting. Um, and when they came over the ramp, they were obviously on their stretchers already. And the guys uh, who were putting them on, I think it was um, Fob Wishton, um, had put flags on top of them. So there was one guy with a British flag on. There was, uh, I think, a Liverpool football club flag on one of them, a rifles flag on another one, and they'd covered the bodies with the flags. So looking in the back of the aircraft and just seeing five stretchers with our guys on it, with the flags on top of them, um, I think that was quite a turning point for me because now I find remembrance very difficult whenever I see flags. It's I wouldn't say it's a trigger for me, but it's certainly seeing a British flag now anywhere makes me feel it, it's just that instant memory and instant kind of thinking of what people have given up for the for us really so yeah have you done a uh like a, a sorry have you done a remembrance service as a civilian yet uh yeah one last year yeah, so how, um 
Yeah, I think again, I've lost so I, I've lost a couple of colleagues in the month of October and toward so the start of October, end of October that roll into November. So that kind of four weeks is always a bit tough for me anyway. But um, yeah, I, I feel I'm, I'm getting prouder, I think, to attend them as I get older. So I always still wear my medals um, and I always will wear my medals to them. But yeah, it's, um, I think it's getting tougher because I think emotions as you get older mean a bit more to you. So yeah, it's tougher to stop the old tears rolling down the face these year, these days. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think our attitudes towards it change when we get older? I think because you realise what, what you've maybe, you know, those guys who have lost their lives and, you know, what, what what we have generally, you appreciate a bit more as you get older in life anyway. I think that comes without saying. So I think you appreciate because you appreciate what you've got more, you appreciate what they've given up. Mm. I suppose part of it is like if you're 23 and your friend's 23 and dies, then you've, you're still at that same point in life, aren't you? But then once yeah. you're 33, you're like, wow, they didn't get any of this last 10 years, which was amazing. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think you just get em- more empathetic as you get older as well, don't you? Yeah. And um, again, one of the guys I picked up very early on in my career, picked up a guy from Kajaki who had been killed. Um, um, took him back to Bastion. He was Marine Curry. And again, I never really tried to sort of follow up stories and things. But years and years later, I was one Sunday just reading the papers down the, down the pub on a Sunday morning. And there was an article in the Sunday Times about his wife and about how he proposed to her before he went to theatre. And all of a sudden, I just sort of broke down in tears. And my, my partner at the time was like, what's up? And it was just because suddenly there was that personal connection of, mm. of the other part of his life that was, you know, see, I, I'd never had an insight to that. And it, it really, really struck a chord with me. And, and, you know, yeah, it's just when you see what, you know, the loss that's left behind. I think that's the hard part, though, isn't it, is is to get, especially for people now, because most people haven't been in the service. So I, I think part of the problem is is when you get trying to get younger people to remember, and, and by younger people I mean anyone whose parents weren't involved in the Second World War. You've got these names on, you know, got got names on monuments, but it's, you know, like you, you know, even though you were there, you didn't have that personal connection to that person. Yeah. How, so how, how can we get younger generations to realize that these people that they're seeing on, like, because there's statues and um, or cenotaphs in every village, every town in the UK. How do we mm. get how do we get people to realize that these were human beings on there who gave up everything in their future, and they're not just a name on on a you know not just a name on a monument? Yeah, I think there's the sort of two things that would really help the young generation get involved, and certainly with the, the British Legion is tapping into their sort of their grandfathers and and any of those sort of there's a lot of people who have got grandfathers and and actually grandmothers who were involved in the war that they never really chase up their family history it was just like oh yeah that happened before I was born it's not important but when you make that personal connection as a family and you realize that it was someone who was your flesh and blood um that seems to kind of resonate a lot with the younger generation a little bit more um, and certainly from my point of view, I did a battlefield tour about two or three years ago. And that was the first one I'd ever done. And um, actually the air was being boarded out. And I think the visual representation, when you actually just see the graves and you see the sheer amount, the sizes, like just the rows and rows of them, it really hits home. And um, and I think that would be um, another thing that sort of children doing battlefield tours and just seeing not just a list of names, but just crosses in a field is just, yeah, it's pretty overwhelming i think is there anything else um just in general that you'd like to say to about remembrance or just any thoughts that you have about it i think um important thing for me as a veteran is that the remembrance 
in November, throughout November really, is a good time to kind of catch up with a lot of your old colleagues because I think part of the coming out of the forces and being a veteran and some of the things I've seen, they do sit with you and they do creep up and sort of bite you in the ass whenever you leave. Um, and certainly when you're not in that sort of band of brothers and still in the forces, um, you don't have that chance potentially to go and sit in the pub anymore with your old mates, you know, on a, on a Friday night. And it's a good time, I think, not just on the 11th, but the whole month of November, the run up to the 11th, is just to connect with a couple of old mates, even if it is via social media. And certainly from us as, as Chinook crews, we were obviously, there was different people who were in different merch shouts with you who experienced the same things. Um, and yeah, it's just a, a, a nice time to almost reconnect with a lot of your old colleagues and, and discuss things. And I think that helps with a lot of decompression and PTSD stuff as well. Did you enjoy part of like Remembrance Sunday last year? Yeah. Like which which yeah. Um, just the, the I think the pride of being uh, being a, a civilian and a woman and having the medals on my chest it always surprises a lot of people and catches them out a little bit and they're like oh and it's always a, a conversation opener as well um, because it's one thing it's when you're in when you're in uniform it's pretty obvious what you do but it's actually quite nice now to be quietly proud of what I do. Hi, my name is Mike Chadwick, commonly known as Coach Mike Chadwick on social media. I've served with the Parachute Regiment, most notably, and uh, most recently in Afghanistan. You're now a, a civilian, mate. It's going to be your first first time on a, a f- first time as a civvy for Remembrance Day. But how about your childhood? Was it something you were familiar with then? Yeah, my dad was um, a servant soldier, so it's always been prevalent throughout my whole upbringing. Uh, it became even more prevalent when I felt part of it um, throughout my military career. And I get, I'm, it's probably going to get even stronger. And you could probably answer that better than me, mate. But it's, it's probably going to get, you know, the feelings will get stronger. And as soon as you stop and you start realising the things that you have done and the people who aren't here anymore, you know, it, it's, uh, it'll probably become a very big part of my life now. I think with the fact that you're a, the fact that you're a parent might factor strongly into that as well now. Because um, you you realise what people gave up, you know these pe- people that gave up their futures and people that went away with families and didn't come back to them. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's part of the reason why I've left. In all honesty, mate, as soon as I had my little girl, I I just couldn't I couldn't envision that anymore. It was really difficult for me to uh, to get up and go away, uh, as I did for the first short part of their life, and now I want to spend as much time as I can with her. Do you think that brings you closer? To understand, like, so does, do you think that brings you closer to understanding the level of sacrifice that people have given? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I try to put myself in in the shoes now of others who, when I was deployed, who did have kids back then. It's it's hard to think about, mate. It's hard to like put because it's not just a toll on your body wherever you are in the world. It's you know, it's it's your support team as well. I've spoke about that before about the the absolute burden you leave on them. It, it, it's really difficult for them. You were in the parachute regiment, which obviously had a very strong, uh, one of the, maybe the strongest esprit de corps and regimental families. What was uh, what what was and how how was remembrance um, approached when you were in in the reg? Strongly, um, you know, everyone got together. The the brotherhood that we have is incredible, um, and that is heightened even more so. You know, once a year, it's. You know, it's a Remembrance Day every day for most of us, isn't it? But once a year, everyone gets together, whether you're serving or a veteran. We still all get together. I do mine over in Liverpool where all the parachute regiment, all the Scousers, they all get together. And, you know, there's the, 
the amount of numbers that we get is just incredible of, you know, ex-reg blokes, current reg blokes, potential reg blokes, all getting together is just amazing. Like we understand that there's very poignant moments in remembrance services. There might be some very sad moments in remembrance services. But what's your what's your favourite part of it? Standing still for a couple of seconds and just forgetting everything and remembering. You know, it's 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 very it's not very often in our busy lifestyles that we get to have a pause and you know consider everything that we've done, consider the things that people are doing considering the things that people are going to do it's you know it's it's a lovely moment to just step back and just have a couple of minutes to yourself in silence and everyone else is silent and everything else stops moving just for that couple of minutes is lovely i know you're a fan of mindfulness is there with well obviously we're so like so we're, we're so kind of hectic in the way that our minds work now we have things constantly trying to distract us in in our pockets or in our hands most of the time and you know when they brought in this two minutes, it was in it was in a time where people were a lot more present in what they were doing. Do you think maybe we need to kind of have a look at of ways of bringing people into the moment more now? Because it's if it's not something that you train your mind to do, it's very hard to actually think about one particular thing for two minutes, isn't it? It is in this day and age where you know the media data everyone around is moving so quickly. It's so difficult to just, like I said before, stand still and, and have a few seconds to yourself. So I, I completely resonate with what you're saying. I completely agree that it, it, it should be something that we, we take more seriously and have some more time for ourselves to have, you know, to reflect in on and for action. I, throughout all my coaching prevalence, I, I push that upon all of my athletes about reflection because we can't move forward if we don't reflect. So I say it to everyone else and it's, I'm probably thinking about it now that do I do it for myself? Probably not. I do it once a year and it's, um, it's something that you, you really should take more seriously. Is that an important thing about remembrance services then? Not, it's not just looking back but it's the ability to move forward through reflection? I think so, mate. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, to move forward we need to understand where we've come from. Um, and some people, you know, some people struggle in life, don't they? And they can't get past um, some of those memories that we've, that we've had before and um, I think it's difficult for a lot of people and so having that thought process and, and, and looking back will help people move forward so I do think it's vital What are some of the lessons that you take personally from um, from Remembrance? Um, the ability to just stop and think you know I, I started this conversation with how difficult I find it to to stop in a, in a fast-moving world. Um, and the lessons that I learned is just, you know, some of the stuff that we have done, man, is absolutely crazy, isn't it? And I, I know you yourself over in Iraq, you know, some of the stuff when you stop and just think about it is unbelievable. And it's hard to express that. And it's hard to put that into words to people who don't know and don't realise. Um, and it's only when you really look back at it do you realise how crazy those things were and, some of the stuff we've done is unbelievable and unfortunately some of the people we've lost have paid the price, the ultimate price for that. And it's not just what we did and we think even further afield, you know, going as far back as, you know, without missing any in, incredibly hardened battles is back to the Falklands and World War II and World War One and even pre-before that. What those people did to allow us to do stuff like this and have a podcast and, and have those two minutes of silence is unbelievable. Thank you.
My name's Sean Jones. I was a former colour sergeant in the Princess of Wales Royal Regiment. Um, I served for 16 years, there thereabouts, give uh, maybe a little bit more. Um, and I left about two and a half years ago. Mate, you came to the army early in the sense that the family were involved with it. So what was remembrance like for you as a child? If I'm honest with you, I'd, it was probably probably more of it when I was younger, younger, as in my toddler into my young sort of infant school days because of the town I lived in and because a lot of my family was... was um, of, you know, my great nan was still alive then and I think all her brothers died and, and, and fought in the war and all that sort of thing. So I think it was a lot more then. But then when I when I moved away and I was living in a military environment, um, I don't really remember a huge amount about it. I, I knew that it was like one day a year we would we would go into camp and go into the mess or, you know, go and do some form of service. But I didn't really understand it all too much if i'm honest with you what it wasn't it wasn't really forced upon me what was the kind of impression that you got from it as a kid um i probably got more of an impression from it of, of it being a very very serious thing when I, again when i was younger because i'd have like my granddaddy was was still around back then you know doing the old you know during the war type stuff and i'd go around on a weekend and he'd tell me stories about the war whereas like my great nan who wasn't related to my granddad's, my granddad's on my dad's side, but my great nan had a real different view on the war. She wouldn't speak of it really. And then whenever I asked a question, she would almost fob it off because of how it affected her family. Because I think that there was a lot of brothers and, and fathers and all that sort of stuff on my, on my uh, great nan's side of the family that all died in the war. Um, I, th- I think they really, really suffered. I think she worked in the factories and that sort of thing. Um, so my granddad, who fought in the war, was a lot more open to talk about it than what my great-nan was, who supported the war effort, but she was affected by it with loss a lot more. You served in the army for 16 years. I'm assuming that you spent some Remembrance Days uh, overseas. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that most of the time when you, when you spent those away, it was almost like it was another day anyway, if that makes sense. You would do a small service, really, um, but there would be the main services and the main operating bases, which were still quite large and en masse, to be honest with you. Um, but I think the, the the thing with us, obviously where we were stationed, you know, where we were operating out of, um, there were very relatively small gatherings of mates, really. What what do you think for for you like um, as obviously now a soldier and a veteran? What parts of the service really kind of stand out to you? What parts, if any, kind of really kind of uh, do you feel really you kind of most connect to? Really, it's it's the it's that we will remember them, you know, because I think different. You know, you can have remembrance services. Um, all over the world and different people do them and they all really carry a very similar format um but for me it was it was the we will remember them piece on on the end of a um of a service because for me it would would be me remembering people that i knew or know you know know um through service and they'd lost their lives 
um, or you would think back to, you know, your my, your grandparents, that sort of thing. So for me, it was always like the back end of a of a, of a ceremony um, that you would sort of feel something about, if that makes sense. Yeah. So a lot, a lot, a lot of service when you're in the military, a lot of services can all seem very, very similar. Whether it's a Sunday service that you go to, because you you will go to any number of those throughout a year if you're in the military, um, or whether it's remembrance services, and they're all you know cover a certain similar sort of format. So it's really on Remembrance Day, it's all about that personal piece of remembrance with the silence at the end. I think there's a difference as well, isn't there, between choosing to go to one and being told to go to one. Even if you would have, even yeah. if you would have gone anyway. I, it's an interesting concept, mate, because in the army, it's like you're going, you know, it's, it's, it's on part one orders and everyone turns up whatever day of the week it is and you'll, you'll go and do a service. But it would, it would be interesting if, if the military was to put that to, to um, it being something you could just volunteer to go to. I don't ever see that that would happen, but it'd be interesting to see because I think society has changed a lot. Yeah, it's just something that seems to be. I, I think most guys would probably choose to do something like that, but it's it's an just an interesting one that it's like right. This is something that you have to go to because I think there's something when you make something go to someone, it diminishes the importance of that event. You know, if you're like right, you got to go to this wedding. <laughs> it's not like you know we've all been to weddings that we didn't want to go to. Um, it's it's just not the same as going off your own back. You don't, you know, there's something about that act of choosing to go. What what does remembrance mean to you now? You know, like you have you've been out the army for for a while now. You have a beautiful, magnificent beard. What does remembrance mean now? Tough one, mate. Um, because it 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 is a day where I'll reflect on my career, but I've I've always seen remembrance as remembering people from you know the great wars, the big wars, you know World War One and World War Two. And it's, I, I do find it difficult to, to tie in what we fought in as being remembrance. It, it's a weird one to put because we all served and we all served in conflict, but I see Remembrance Day as remembering people from the big wars. Um, but there is an element of me that does remember some of my friends and some of the things that I do on or did um, on that day. So it's a really strange concept, to be honest with you. But then you, I, I do have the... The viewing of it that it, there is an annoyance in it a little bit as well you know um it does slightly annoy me um because you'll get people that despise their time in the military coming out to to remember or, or to say they're remembering and i don't know i don't know how i feel about those type of people I, they get on my nerves a little bit. i i reckon i've thought about this a lot since we had a little conversation about this and i reckon those people would have been around after the second world war and the first world war too people that wore a uniform but never got within 100 miles of the front line who probably yeah. looked forward to Remembrance Day as a day to the, put their uniforms on and their general service medals and stuff and say look at me I definitely think that would have, yeah. I think that's yeah. always I think that's I, always been a part of the military the military I think kind of it has, yeah they were nothing against them you know just they hated it when they were in and yeah. then, then when, it, when it's safe they come out to support their well, it's, I was going to say, yeah, because it's here's the other thing as well. It's we're not like if you you could hate your time in and still want to remember people. I think what you're getting at is what you're getting at is the people who are all of a sudden it's like here's one of the ones that kind of gets me is remembrance remembrance um, month 
remember on Sunday coming up and all of a sudden like your inst- pictures is like well I'm one to talk because I post pictures all the time of my you know military service all there but it's you know all of a sudden it's right now I've got a picture of poppies around me on my Facebook for instance people start posting pictures themselves yeah. I'm like hang on are you dead yeah. you're, you're not dead yeah yeah you know no, the, I see that a lot you know it's happening now you know the only fact the only time I ever we've ever done anything like that it's almost like a signal throughout my my, my regiment my battalion where we change our our pictures on social media profiles to our cat badge when something's happened to someone and it's almost just like a signal of of um solidarity but it's never it's never um around now i think it comes from a good place though mate like when people do that stuff i think almost i think most of it is from a good place i don't think most people who are doing that are trying to make it they're trying to they're trying to take part in it but it can be misread Mm. i think it can be misread as being like look remembrance sunday isn't about you you're alive this is about remembering people yeah. who are dead. <laughs> like that's this is influence yeah. there, you know. So with with Remembrance Day now, then like, you've got kids of your own. How, do you talk to them about it? Is it something that is brought up in, in, with, with with your children? It's it's a difficult one um, because you know one's nine um, on Thursday, um, one's twelve, and they do have questions sometimes. But I think deep down they know what my job was um and, and what i did in, in the army but i think it's quest it's it's questions and and stuff they don't really necessarily always want to have so i i've always been a thing of i don't want to force stuff upon my kids if they want to learn or know something um they'll, they'll ask the question but when it does come to remembrance day um i have taken them to remembrance parade before what what that did was was for a small period of time on that remembrance service, should we say, um, it made them think and you could see that they were a bit sombre because they could see the mood. But ultimately what it did for them because of their age was just that they can tend to go on a little bit. And um well they were they were freezing to be honest with you. <laughs> Um, and it kind of t- took it away from from them. Um, so what I, I never want to do is force something like that upon them. I might take them for a walk past a service, but I don't think I'll take them to a service, if that makes sense. Yeah. The other thing as well, mate, is it's like the whole thing about remembrance is remembering the dead. And it's very hard mm-hmm. for kids to grasp the concept of death. Fuck, it's hard for someone in their early 20s to grasp the concept of death. And yeah. then when you're talking about death on, oh, it's like, oh yeah, all those millions of names, uh, all those millions of people, yeah, they all died in a war that happened, um, a place that you've never been. Like, it's a lot to ask a kid to, like, it's hard for, it's well, hard for I, us I, to take I, on. Well, I took them, when, obviously when I lived over in, in, in Germany, obviously that's where my unit was based, um, we, we went on a couple of trips away and um, I, I took them to um, various, you know, um, Sort of what they called God. Get my words out. Battlefield tours. Not a battlefield tour, but I took them down to like Bastogne and um, saw the Commonwealth war graves. That's what I was after. We went down to see some of the Commonwealth war graves, and they were actually really interested because it wasn't just touring a load of cemeteries. They were really interested with what they looked like and why they were so clean and. Mm. Were, were any of our family there? You know, because when every single one of them, there's a little book that's got all the names in it. So if you go to any Commonwealth war grave that's over a certain size, there's a there's a diary of the names and where they're buried. 
and what units they were from. So they would go into each one. We went and visited quite a few. Went to each one and seeing if there was any Joneses, mm. kind of a common name. So there was Williams. quite a few. Um, but then we looked for extended family names and things like that. So whilst they're quite somber places, I made it, um, you know, interesting for them because they are actually beautiful places to visit. And it's a lot better way for the for, to teach the kids because I don't think the kids should ever forget what happened mm. because if things had gone differently back then, you know, in, in the, the, the great wars, as I want to call them, or is it they are they get called, things had gone different back then, life would be a lot different now. Mm. Absolutely, mate. Anything else you want to say on the subject of remembrance before we part our ways, mate? No, mate. Just that um, I think it's important that everyone gets to remember in their own way, mm. whatever that is. We touched on it briefly with uh, forcing people to to go and remember, you know, and the new generation of people um, might want to remember in a different way. And I think it's important that that we respect people's way that they want to remember things as opposed to the way that it was, because it's not necessarily always the right way. Hello, I'm Anthony Cotton. Um, I'm the first ambassador of SAFA. I'm a lead patron of Health for Heroes, and I work with the MOD, and particularly the Army, but the MOD on their mental health welfare practice and process. So um, I have several caps, really. I have one which is direct face-to-face one-to-one with soldiers and then the other one is in a more kind of um using my platform for the charities uh to get their various uh, projects or initiatives uh, attention and then um yeah and the two worlds kind of mix quite nicely really when did you um when when did you first kind of come to um to remembrance remembrance day remembrance sunday was that something that happened in childhood uh yes i was always aware of uh the remembrance weekend as most people are you know with the poppy it's 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 the remembrance british remembrance is an incredible i don't want to use this term because it makes it sound glib or uh in some way fashionable i don't mean it that way but it has it but it is an incredible brand the remembrance weekend you know, from the Royal Albert Hall, the the visual of the poppy, the the audio of of all those songs that we know, um, you know, the old war songs. So it, it it's it's the dream brand, the the poppy really. The the Legion are very very lucky to to have that symbolism because it means that no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, no matter where you're from, you see that one Im- image and it immediately tells you what it means. It's immediate that it's remembrance. So I, for that reason, I remember the, um, the, this weekend, the 11th of the 11th, it's just in my, I don't know, in my psyche, my granddad, you know, went to war, but I never met my granddad. He died before I was born, but he was fished out of the water at Dunkirk. So I suppose there's always been an element of, being aware of Remembrance Weekend. The main thing that I support, even though I, you know, I don't agree with war, I'm, I'm not interested in that part of it. I'm, I'm here to support the people, you know, the men and women of, of our armed forces. That's who we're remembering, the sacrifice. And, and the, you know, when people sign on that dotted line, they're willing to, to, they're willing to lose everything. And that takes a particular kind of, 
guts to do that. And so my remembrance to me is is remembering the people that that fell, of course. But it's also for me about the people that are in my current life that I'm, you know, that I'm interacting with or helping or going on a journey with. It's that signing on the bottom line, willing to give everything up, literally everything. And I find that to this day, I still find that extraordinary that people do it. What will you be doing for Remembrance Day this year? Well, Remembrance Day this year is a strange one because, you know, I've just done a, a little piece to camera for the for the Legion, for the Poppy Appeal. And in that, I'm saying, you know, Remembrance Day is going to be slightly different this year because people aren't able to go out, aren't able to meet even in some places. Um, so this year will be spent just at home watching whatever output the BBC or whoever are showing you know, bits at the Albert Hall or, what, you know, whatever, but I'll be at home. I'm, I'll pay my respects in the day, I think. I think I'll just wander into town and um, and go. Because normally what we do is we go to the Cenotaph, then I'd meet up with all the Lanx lads that, um, that are in the old Nags Head in Manchester and they have downstairs and then upstairs is the Paralot. And, uh, and so I'd just spend the whole day in town spilled out onto the street with everybody that I've known over the years. My name's uh, Danny Mills. Uh, I joined in 84. I'm still serving now part-time, full-time, part-time. Um, and I originally joined the Queen's Regiment um, after a year of junior soldier training, which we spoke about before. And I went through, I don't know, about nine, ten years with them. And then we are amalgamated with the Royal Hampshire's, so Queen's Regiment, Royal Hampshire Regiment, uh, made the um, Princess of Wales's Royal Regiment with Princess Diana was our governor. And then um, I served with them, or must be 15 or more years. Um, and then since leaving, I uh, joined 4th Battalion, the Parachute Regiment. And I've been with them. I'm into my seventh year with them now. So um, operationally wise, you know, which is what the, the, the meat of this is really, I suppose. Um, 1987, Northern Ireland, skip 98, uh, 89, 90, Northern Ireland, 1991, 92, 93 to 95, Northern Ireland, 96, couple of tours in Northern Ireland. Uh, 97 was Bosnia, um, 2000 was Kosovo. And then let's have a look. Let's have a think. 2004 was Iraq. Um, 2008 and then nine was um, Afghanistan. 2010, privately Afghanistan. 2013, Pakistan. And 2019 was Mali. And of course, in, in the middle of that, there was a couple of the, what they call operational, like Falklands and stuff. But you don't really feel operational, I suppose. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much a quick rundown, mate. When the when you were in uh, Northern Ireland, the kind of the Northern Ireland days, what was yeah. it like for Remembrance then? Because obviously there was a very big homeland or mainland UK terrorist threat. Was yeah. Remembrance something that had to get done behind closed doors, or what was the situation like that? Well, certainly when we were serving on on a big on a big tour, when you're like a proper on a enrollment tour a two-year tour, for example, like Omar, just after that, you know, we we left there, oh, 
In fact, I, I was there the two years up to, we left just before that big bomb went off. So um, that's quite a poignant place. But of course, you had Ennis Skilling and all those sort of memories on the Remembrance Day, that, you know, because the bastards blew places up then. Um, but but certainly um, those sort of safe areas, if you like, um, you had a proof, a full battalion parade, poppies on, you know, laying reeves and all the rest of it. Because, you know, for example, um, Lizanelli Barracks, I think was the name of it in Omar. That had quite a big lump of real estate. So short of Mortars Landing, you were pretty OK. And then, of course, you had all the local satellite in patrols and all that, that, that out anyway, protecting you. Um, certainly for the mortar base plate patrols and stuff, you, you know yourself um, what, what they used to do in, in all, of, all of the combat places. For the smaller places, it was a bit harder. You know, like um, I can remember being... Um, uh, where is it? South Omar, little place like that, tiny little speck on the landscape on the top of a hill or on the edge of a town. It's a little bit uh, more restricted, so you weren't standing around so much there. Uh, Belfast, the same because of you know the odd sniper attack or the odd um, gas bottle getting blown up and thrown over the wall and stuff. So certainly there was uh, a lot more risk in the in the smaller places, little little camps, but in a in a large barracks it was uh, remembered pretty much the same, you know. You've been involved in the Army now for over 30 years. Have you seen a change in remembrance in that time? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think there was a dip. There was a dip in sort of um, the popularity of the forces I've seen over the years. When, when I joined, it was a large, you know, pretty much quite a few families had somebody in the forces. You know, like I said to you before, when I joined, there was 155,000 just serving British Army of the Rhine, you know, now we can't even scrape together 80,000, you know, well, we probably could, it's just that we've just watered it down so much now, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I, I, I think it's a, it's raised its popularity again now, I'm not sure if Iraq and Afghan's done it any favours, you know, because, you know, you've got that whole, is it justified, unjustified and all that sort of scenario, but soldiers don't potentially, you know, they don't really get interested in those sort of conversations. They, you know, they'll go wherever they go. Like now they'll go and deal with someone with a COVID. You know, if they tell you you're going to Iraq, you know, like I said to you before, I was chuffed a bit. So I couldn't wait to get out there and get some. You know what I mean? The fact that Tony Blair's are lying, you know, POS and all that, irrelevant. You know what I mean? But, um uh, you know, essentially, and uh, and well remember the guys, whatever conflicts they were lost in. Um, with that being the case, mate, because like like you said, like you know yourself, myself, we went out to Iraq and Afghanistan wanting to get some. A lot of the people, yeah. a lot of the people that are remembered on Remembrance Day, um, are people that got drafted and told to go. So is that something? Yeah. Is that something that you think about on Remembrance Day? Is there? Is it? Just, do you have a different way of thinking, maybe about? the kind of previous generations that were told to go rather than ours that where we were like, right, this is what I want to be doing. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's changed that much. I mean, essentially in the eighties and nineties, there was a lot of people that joined because they wanted to do that sort of stuff. You know, certainly, um, you know, I think that was that, the, the, you know, we had a bit of a glitch really in, in the eighties, you pretty much had Northern Ireland and that was it. 
So if you were walking around a battalion without a Northern Ireland medal, you know, you pretty much fuck, I'm left out here, I want to go. So so that's what you did. You sought you sort out those tours. And then they were coming along, like I said, pretty much in the first ten years, there was only two actual calendar years I didn't touch Ireland. But um I think, you know, like like I said before when we spoke, even when Golf One came along, we were all painting Land Rovers and all that crap we wanted to go. But again, I was surprised about how many people I overheard or even in conversation saying that, you know, I heard one Muppet say, well, I didn't join the army to go for war. And I was just like incredulous, you know, and you're just like, well, you're in the wrong, why are you here, mate? You're in the wrong job. An infant here that doesn't want to go and kick ass and chew gum is just like, what on earth are you doing, buddy? Well, what does remembrance like? What what does it mean to you? Like, what do you think about over this time of year? Um, for me personally, I think about people that um, have been killed and that are not with us anymore. Um, you know, I think the big one for me is guys I fought with. On a personal note, I, you know, as you know, I was the platoon commander of a particular platoon, but within that company as well, we lost people. And so that tour for me holds the most resonance. So, for example, um, a couple of years ago on one of my postings when I was in um, Brecon, I actually ended up as the chairman of the British Legion because most of them were old doddering guys waiting to push up daisies. I ended up carrying the standard a couple of times and I took over chairman because, you know, they, you know, they needed a bit of direction and all the rest of it. Having been in the mess and that for years, one Austin Sands mess, it just gave it a bit of a, you know, um, a kick. But um, I mean, I found there, I mean, I ended up carrying, you know, just a couple of years ago as well, I ended up carrying a parachute regiment standard. I mean, I'm actually starting earning medals now in the parachute regiment as well, which is quite good. But, um, yeah, I tend to think about people that I know on a particular tour and that I have lost that are not with us anymore, as well as people like my uncle that was in Korea and my granddad that always used to get pissed on Remembrance Day and things like that, you know. Daniel, what have you done to granddad and all that sort of stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, no worries. La last question, mate. Do you have a Remembrance Day story that is especially important to you or something that like, you'll never forget? Um, I think the important one for me was we had one. I just had a reminder when I went to the National Memorial Arboretum recently, first time I've been there. Okay. And I can remember this. There's obviously plaques on the wall there on the Iraq war that the last time I saw, we was on parade actually in Bastion. You know, so you've got the shells and all the rest of it. They haven't done it exactly the same as what it was, you know, for the people that weren't there, that, that didn't ever get to see it. But, uh, yeah, when I see, you know, pictures of Ray, the mortar magnet, you know, I can remember him now. Or I'll get that picture of that brass plaque in the head. You know, he was killed on the 4th of August 2004. Just, just as it was all kicking off again, you know, we had a brief sort of uh, spell in the firefights in the battles, we had a bit of a, a lull. And then, of course, two days later, uh, young Leo Callahan was shot straight in the heart, trying to help out, uh, going to help out those those artillery guys that got uh, caught out and got lost in uh, in Basra. Same battalion as me, you know, he's only 19 years old, bang, one round, down, he's dead. 
top cover or whatever, you know. So I particularly remember seeing their names on the brass plaque. And then, of course, now it's just reminded it already for this. This this parade is probably one that I'm going to remember more than most because you know, I found it quite emotional and quite poignant going and see it to the Arboretum and seeing all those names. But in particular, those two guys that uh, obviously killed on my tour. One of them was in the same fighting company that I was in, you know, fighting my company. So I think I think this year is going to be a biggie for me. My name is Hugh Keir. I served with the Parachute Regiment for just about 12 years. Um, during my time there, I served in uh, Northern Ireland, Iraq, Afghanistan. Uh, and since since leaving, I've become the chairman of one of our regimental association branches, which all our branches are, are charities in their own right. Uh, I'm also the founder of Forces Barbarians RFC, which is a, a rugby club for military veterans, but it raises... Uh, awareness and support for the military community uh, and I'm also involved in a, a bunch of businesses which are entirely veteran owned and operated. Hugh you were in the like you said you were in the military for like 12 years did you ever spend any um, any remembered Sundays away on tour? Do you know what uh, yeah, yeah yeah I did I spent I think I spent I spent two away on tour, if I remember correctly. One was my first operation, if you like, which was to Northern Ireland in back in 2001. And then I spent one in Afghanistan on the third time out there, which is which 2010 that was, I believe. What were those experiences like for you? The, if I'm honest, the Northern Ireland way, I don't remember. That was the very start of my career. I know all of that, probably much like yourself. It's a complete blur, right? <laughs> Um, the one in Afghan in 2010 was quite a, a poignant one. Uh, we were split into different patrol bases and uh, fobs and, and things like that. I was lucky enough to be at the company HQ and we had a little ceremony at the time outside. But it, it was a, a very short affair, but formal nonetheless, because we were in a very kinetic situation at the time. And it was actually very poignant to me Um I think it's the first one that's I sort of got quite emotional that. Uh, it was the tail end of my career. I knew I was leaving. Um, I had a lot of my, my friends killed in Afghanistan, uh, and that was where we were holding that particular remembrance service. So, yeah. Do you uh, Did you come to know about remembrance service when you joined the military, or was it something you knew about in childhood? I knew about it in childhood, but I... I I don't remember ever going to a parade. I'm the first person in my family who's military uh, since, obviously, uh, relatives who served in the Second World War. Between then and now, I'm the first person. So although the family has a, a respect for the military, it's never something we actively participated in when I was a child. Not that I can remember anyway. So what does what does remembrance mean to you now? Remembrance means to me now... Um, it's got a, it's taken on a bigger meaning than when I first joined the military. When I first joined the military, and we do it, it's all about the First World War, Second World War, predominantly. I remember those soldiers. For me now, its meaning's changed, and it's a very personal thing to me. Uh, remembrance for me means that is a day where I will actively, either in public or not, I will actively take time to remember everyone I knew and every and all those I didn't know who have been killed, made the ultimate sacrifice right the way up to operations now. Uh, that's the way I see it. It's the way of remembering the dead, not just when uh, it, it became um, an actual event, you know, after the First and Second World Wars, 
But uh, everyone since then is equally as important. In my eyes, they paid the ultimate sacrifice, and it's my way of, uh, um, you know, saluting them, if you like. You're a parent. Did did becoming one change your view of of remembrance and sacrifice? Well, good question. Yeah, it did. It yeah, becoming a parent did change my my view of it, uh, and in in such a manner that it seemed much more important to me, or it took, it took on importance to me to make sure that the that the knowledge that this these events go on this month goes on you know uh, every year to to acknowledge the sacrifices that are passed that is it's important to that to be handed down to the generations now i'm not saying it's important and absolutely 100 percent everyone should go and do it and every single child should grow up to be going to remembrance parades uh, or, or pay or, or commemorate the dead in some way shape or form but they should certainly be aware of it they should certainly be aware that there are incredible people that went before them because if they're not aware of it then they're never going to be able to have the option to have that respect and have the understanding of what goes into um, wars and operations, regardless of whether they agree with it or not. On an individual level, the people who are sacrificing themselves, they did that for reasons, the most honourable reasons, regardless of uh, the operation or mission they are part of, regardless of how honourable you saw, you see past missions or operations, the individuals on the ground who gave their lives, they were doing that for very pure reasons. They were doing that for themselves. They were doing it for their colleagues and friends around them, trying to protect them, trying to achieve the mission. And they were doing it because at the time, that's what they thought was the right thing to do with the country. Obviously, you have a, the HR podcast um, where you talk to veterans. Is recording um, is recording their, their history so that it can be remembered something that drives you to do that? Something drives me to do what? To, to, to do the podcast. Oh, right. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think that was. I don't think that was the uh, the main intent when I started out in the podcast. The main intent was just to communicate information, useful information to people. Um, and but a significant part of it now has has become getting people on to tell stories of battles or wars or experiences and operations that are otherwise sort of not well known about on a personal level look at the falcons for example the falcons conflict you know i've got someone coming on in the future who's involved in stuff in the 70s and those stories have never been told in a medium like you and i do which is popular now you know as, as in podcast the podcast medium those stories have been told before in books and you know old documentaries but that's not what impacts the younger generations now and in fact some of the most popular podcasts i've done recently have been with guys about battles and ops and wars 20 30 years in the past and they're resonating with people my age or younger which is which is great because you're getting you know getting those stories out there do you have um, anything else that you'd like to say in general about remembrance sunday like a particular remembrance sunday or just remembrance in general yeah, I think there's a there's a lot. Uh, there seems to be a lot of pressure. I feel it sometimes. A lot of pressure to go and pay your respects publicly, you know, at parades uh, to be there with your your jacket on, your medals, and your beret. And I absolutely understand the reasons to go and do that. But um, that pressure is not great for the people that feel it. And each person likes to do things 
in the way that they feel like doing and it varies year by year i take myself for example this year i don't i don't think i'll go to pray this year it, it's just how i'm feeling last year i went all the way down to london i'd never been before to the cenotaph and i ended up not going to the cenotaph and i stood the tactical bound away and i pay my respects that way and the year before that i was in my medals and gongs in colchester with all the guys around me enjoyed um, and the reason I highlight that is because um, that pressure and that sort of wanting to get out their medals and have it all on show, that doesn't suit some people. And so they feel like it's a barrier to them paying their respects and honouring the dead and being a part of that Remembrance Sunday, um, you know, and obviously on the 11th if it doesn't fall on Sunday. Um, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, you know. Get out if you can. It's great to see people on the streets. It's great to see people paying their respects in that way. It's an absolute spectacle. It's amazing. It is amazing. It doesn't suit everybody. And 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 don't you know? Don't feel like you you're not paying your respects if you don't feel like going to parade. It, you know, it's about paying your respects. It doesn't matter how you do it. You know, remember the dead. Remember your mates. Remember your colleagues. And remember all those people before you you, you didn't know. So I'm Michael Coates. Um, I did six years in the Royal Engineers. Um, I was based in Paderborn in 3-5 Engineer Regiment. We did TELIC and TELIC 3. I got out after TELIC 3 and joined the fire service, did nine years there. And then started a veteran-owned company in 2015. Um, we, we employ veterans, reserve spouses, partners. We educate children in conflict. We protect our customer and we, we support injured service personnel. And off the back of that, um, amongst other things, we we started the Declassified podcast. So that was all about documenting military stories to to assist and and guide and and support people who are suffering from both physical and, and mental illness injury. Mainly, mainly using the stories from the military community to impact society in a, a positive way. Can you remember your first experience of uh, Remembrance Day? Remembrance has always been really traditional and. Like it was always around growing up in Hull. It's quite a big thing. People are really, uh, they're really on it. They, they, they like to remember, they like to, to almost celebrate the day. And the first remembrance I was in, uh, boys brigade when I was a little kid, maybe seven or eight. And I remember doing a march through kind of East Hull and then doing like the religious thing with a vicar talking about the first world war. That's, that's the first real memory of, of remembrance. What does remembrance day mean to you? It's changed. Remembrance day has changed. Um, it means it doesn't just mean the day anymore. It used to, it, it, for me, it's about, you know, the full year. It's about never, never forgetting the loss and the gain. Uh, I'm in a fortunate position where I can document stories and I'm seen to document stories. And, and for me, it's about making sure the reality is there. Um, making sure that these stories never get remembered from, from our, 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 in brackets, our kind of modern day generation. Um, and it's about being able to use those stories to educate others. Not, not just about the negative, not just about those that we've lost, but some of the good stuff that's come out of it. So it, it's got to be worth something. Um, the, day, the day itself is, maybe this is a, a weird thing to say, but it became not very relevant to me. It, it felt like it wasn't connecting with me anymore. Last year was the main thing. 
it felt like in front of a vicar talking about the first world war didn't didn't connect with me anymore and we're going to change things this year we're going to do things a little bit differently as a, a small community um but I absolutely see the benefit of it. I think it needs to become a little bit more relevant. I think it needs to be a bit more educational. I think we have to we have to really uh, bring it into 2020. Yeah, I agree, mate, totally. Um, so what what does Remembrance Day this year look like for you? Then you mentioned um, you know you mentioned some changes. Yeah, so I, I, I've been very privilege i've been i've been invited uh to westminster abbey i think next week um one of three veterans to represent the iraq afghan generation um and again it's a privilege to to represent that community but for us as a, a as a, a a group of individuals as a, a small group of us in in the area i live in in west london we're gonna go we're gonna do a very small uh gathering and we're gonna get into get into the cold water we're going to get into the thames we're going to mark it with a reef we're going to we've got some we've got some poppy flowers that we're going to release into the water we're going to get in just before 11 um and we're going to have a bit of mindfulness thought in in the cold you know and, and for me that's very relevant I, it's where i i can think and reset um and everyone i've spoke to about that has been like i want to be part of it and we've got one in london that we're doing it and we've got one on Merseyside as well. We're just two small groups and next year we'll hopefully make it a little bit bigger. But it's, uh, for me, it's, um, it's a mix of tradition one day and then on the, on the, on the Sunday we'll, we'll do it for us a bit more relevant. Has becoming more mindful been beneficial to you when it comes to, um, when it comes to remembrance? Um, well, yes. I mean, certainly has because it, it makes me reflect and stop and think and it makes me uh, listen to what other people have got to say as well. You know, my brother's been a big influence on my life and he did 20 years in and, um, you know, he's one of these guys with, with nine, 10 medals on his chest. And when we both said the same thing last year that, that this isn't relevant and we both get into cold water once a month now with a, a, a military and emergency services swims group, like a mental health swims group. Um that became the, the right thing for us for us to do really to, to be in the moment sometimes when there's a, like I said a vicar in front and or you know someone who's religious I have no connection to to religion at all and I just end up drifting off and and there's people around me I just uh, I get annoyed easily by things and when when it's not sincere and it's not authentic um so I'd I, to, to be mindful with a group of my mates who have all served seems the right thing this year. I think it's, um, we can't expect future generations to keep remembering unless we make services more relevant to them, can we? Oh, no, and engaging. And we can't expect everyone just to stop on one day and watch, watch the BBC deliver as all you know an amazing that's another thing i remember as being a kid is watching this amazing feat of the scenes on tv with everyone marching and there's 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 absolutely place for that to stay but how are we going to connect you know my kids and kids who are a little bit older when they they're moving forward when when there's so much out there to grab their attention when we don't make it engaging you do a very good job with this podcast about 
you know, really uh, taking it back to what what is important and the the like I said, the reality of it and the fun around it and the sad stuff that happens as well. And and the reflection is is often more painful for a lot of people. And but we have to be able to articulate that. We have to make it again relevant uh, and not just in a in a book at school. You know, we have to make this part of our culture. And it's not glamorizing war and it's not glamorizing conflicts and it's not glamorizing joining the military, but it is saying this is a big part of us. You know, we've we've been at this small island, we've had the military, you know, look at every if you were if you were born or raised in this country, the military is can is connected to you in some way. You know, you're not you're not you're not far removed from even knowing someone or being related to someone or having served yourself. You really are pretty close to that. And we have to we have to ensure that that's through our culture's DNA. And again, it's not glamorizing it. It is just it's the way it is. A lot of good has come off the back of it, and we have to remember the sacrifice of those that have come before us to allow us and give us that that ability to to be developed and to 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 live the life we live. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Remembrance Day or Remembrance in general, mate? Any other thoughts? The one thing I do is I always, um, uh, if we go to a traditional kind of remembrance uh, service, I always try and pick out a name and I always try and, oh, that's big pan, I'll read everyone's name as much as I can and really take a moment or two on everyone's name. And then I'll pick out one name, especially during the silence. Um, probably because I'm easily distracted by other things and there's people around me, but I always try and remember that person's name and I try and imagine what their family was like and who they were as an individual and, and just give that name a little bit of respect and a little bit of time. Cause that was someone like me. And, uh, I, 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 I don't, I don't know why. I don't know if anyone else does that, but that's what I do. I always make sure that I give the names on, on there a little bit of time. No, I, I, I do, mate. And I'd like to add to that as well. That's something I do if you, and I'd encourage anyone listening to. If, when you're walking through town or you're walking through the city or the village or whatever and you see a local memorial, to just pause for a second. Even if it's not reading all the names, read a few names or one name and then just think about that person because that person was probably 18, 19, 20 years old, probably had the whole life ahead of them and was from within you know, a few hundred metres probably of where you're standing right now and they had a whole life ahead of them, they gave it up. And I think it's very powerful when you start, because it's, it can be overwhelming the amount of sacrifice that's happened. It's so big. It's sometimes, it's it's hard to compute if you think about the entire entirety. But if you start to think about one name and the fact that his mum got a letter to say he wasn't coming home, you know, and his, 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 he might have even had a kid they never got to see. And you start to think about that stuff. And it just brings it just brings it home. I mean, it's fucking hell, man. It just brings it home to me. Just thinking about it now, it's it's, it's devastating. But that's what that's was how a, we need to make it. Well, I was up north in the summer, and these uh, were in a place called Hornsey. And we, we took a week off, and we just went up to the north coast. And and um, there's a, a, a little memorial there, and you can read ev- all that. Thankfully, you can read all their names from the First World War right up to present day in, in a couple of minutes. And and we literally read them all out loud. And then the last one was, I think, 2002 or 2003, and a lad who died from the Yorkshire Regiment in, in Afghan. And as we were reading, and I was, I was talking to the kids about, because um, they were all playing around and, and 
I wanted them to play around there, yeah. but, but respect what was in front as well. I thought that was really important for me. They, they can still play around the memorial, but they have to understand what it is. And then uh, an old lady came across and said, oh, look, he was only, whatever he was, I think he was 20 or 21. Um, and that was, so what was that? That was 17 years ago. And, but his daughter was something like nine months old. Mm. And I was like, what a privilege it is to to stand here with someone who's the same age as me. Um, and he didn't get to see his kids grow up, but my children could play around where his name was. And that's, that's the beauty of, I didn't know this guy. I, didn't, I have no idea who he is, but it's the beauty of highlighting one name and, and thinking about one person. And, and thankfully that lady came across and, and told us a bit of the history and I suppose that's another thing is, you know, go find out about one person's name. We have so many museums that are, and, and, and curators of museums that are totally open and want to be able to give you information. Dean Scott, ex-special boat service. Um, I've served on operations in the Balkans and the Middle East. I'm very proud to be an ambassador for the Royal British Legion. Mate, how did you, how did you first come to know about Remembrance Service? Was it something you about a kid, as a kid? Yeah, well, my father and my grandparents were both in the military as well. So, you know, grew up in a military uh, environment, obviously growing up in a town called Aldershot, which was the home of the British Army. You know, Remembrance Day was a big, big event for us. Um, so, yeah, from a young child onwards, it was it was hit home, the importance of Remembrance Day and why we uh, why we do it. Is it something you'd attend yourself as a, as a kid, was it? Yeah, I used to go with my father anyway. Um, at the time, he was a sergeant major at Gibraltar Barracks, so he was very much leading the uh, the, uh, the ceremony. So, um, yeah, we would go and just join our father. We probably didn't know too much about it at that age, um, but in schools in the area, it was very much taught uh, about why we celebrate and, and, and why we're doing it. So it's always been a part of your life then? Yeah, without a doubt. And, and it continues to be a part of my life and then also try and instill that into my into my children as well. So what was it like then um, when you were in the military um, and you obviously you did uh, did a fair number of years, um, you know, in the military there? Did it did it come to take on a new meaning for you? It did. Yeah. Obviously, you know, when you're a young child, you, you're talking about those of the past, those that have fallen. And, but when you're actually in the military, it's, it's not those in the past that have fallen. It's those in the present that have fallen. You know, some of your friends that are no longer with you. So. It was no longer more uh, talking, thinking about the history. It was more the history and the present day, which which hit home quite hard. And for me as well, you know, as a soldier, I like to be on the on the battlefield. I don't like to be on the drill square. So for me, it was like I used to dread it each year because I had to ball my boots and get my kit squared away. Did you ever spend a, a Remembrance Day on tour? I did actually. Yeah. So I remember being on tour in uh, Afghanistan with the SPS, and I remember actually we flew forward to Camp Bastion and I was moving one of the vehicles, me and my mate. And I think because of the time difference, it was 11 o'clock in UK and they had the, R- the RMP stopped us. I think there was a big parade at, on, the, on the square in Camp Bastion. And yeah, I was approached by two, uh, two military police and, um, you know, two females actually. And they said, do you know it's Remembrance Day? Do you know the importance of Remembrance Day? And then I sort of just said to her, I said, yes, but the war doesn't stop. But little little did she know that actually later on that day at 11 o'clock, sorry, it was 11 o'clock Bastion time, 11 o'clock UK time, 
we dropped the two CH-47s in the desert and the whole squadron had a uh, glass of port. So we did it in our own way, just because we weren't on the square parading and, and someone checking my boots in the middle of the war zone, you know, didn't mean that I wasn't, I hadn't forgotten about it and the importance of it. It's just, um, yeah, so it's just two different mindsets. Do you think that that's something that we need to do more of, though, is accepting that different people have different ways of remembering? Yeah, exactly. Whether you go to the cenotaph and, and show your respects that way, or whether you just stay at home, you light a candle, or you just have a little, you know, a tot of whiskey, you know. And it's again, Remembrance Day is one day. You know, I think obviously we've we've had friends that we've lost and things like that. It's not just that one day we remember them; we remember them throughout the year. So everyone will have their own little ways of doing it. And we shouldn't judge people just because they haven't, you know, put on their best suit and gone down to the local church. Doesn't mean they haven't forgotten. Um, I mean, well, your your little lad is definitely going to be remembering. Do you want to tell people about um, how he's going to be remembering for the rest of his life? Hey, little Tommy? Yeah, with his, oh, with his he, name. Yeah, he, he will. So, yeah, Tommy was, was born on the 1st of July 2016. And actually, Alana and I, we didn't have a name for a child. I was thinking something, you know, Archie, Reggie, something like a gangster. But because it was the centenary of the, the song, um, the day that he was born, a hundred years. I just thought Tommy was was great. You know the fact that you know the soldiers were called Tommies during the Somme, and you know some of his his relatives also fought in the Somme as, as well. Um, one of his great great uncles decided to sign up with his brother, but he was underage, but just lied about his age um, as well. So yeah, so he that's that's how we named our son after after that. So he doesn't know it yet. He's four years old. He doesn't really understand the purpose of wearing a, a poppy, but he soon will be. I think he's a future Royal Marine because he doesn't wear any clothes. <laughs> right. Well, you're over in the States at the moment. Um, and I know you've worked over the States and you've, you know, you've been out to the States before when you were in the service. What can we learn from the, from the Americans about, um, about remembrance? Yeah, well, over here, you know, we've just got our, our daughter's uh, school plan and, and they actually have a, they call it recess. They actually school is shut to celebrate Remembrance Day and Memorial Days here rather than what we have in UK. They shut the schools completely and there's a train here which takes the children all the way down to San Diego and to Camp Pendleton to to stand alongside some of the serving military and understand a bit more. So rather than just being a history lesson, they're actually standing shoulder to shoulder with people that are serving currently. And I think, yeah, there's a lot to be taken from that. You know, everyone has this perception of the military. It's all about war zones. And actually... So a lot of stuff that we do good in peacetime as well. So it's all about education. So the Americans are very good at that. And we know that obviously the Americans respect their veterans so much. Um, and it's something the UK are picking up on. Um, it, you know, it was, it was gaining traction, especially during the Iraq and the Afghan wars. But that's 10 years now since, you know, you know some of them have ceased. And I think we're starting to forget the importance of, a, of our veterans as well. So we need to reinstall that. You're an ambassador for the British Legion. Um, how did that come about and what does that mean to you? Yeah, so when I left the military, I, I got injured. I had a parachuting accident. And um, again, I always say the military is almost like a business. You know, as soon as you, you're finished with it, they don't need you anymore. And I didn't get the, the payout that I had expected uh, um, from the medical and things like that. So five years later, I had a tribunal hearing. And the British Legion helped me join that tribunal hearing. And you know, I reached out to them. We sat down. And I was successful on the tribunal hearing, which was great. So I obviously got reciprocated for the money that was owed to me and obviously continued to have a, a good pension. But I got quite a, a large lump sum 
um, from that. And obviously, you know about my bike ride, the Pan American Highway. I used 50,000 pounds of that, of, of the money I, I'd won from the Tribune here to set up that campaign. And obviously, late, um, later on, when we handed over 900,000 pounds to the mental health charities, British Legion were one of the recipients uh, of that recipient, sorry, of that. So it was great circle. In fact, if the, the Legion hadn't helped me win my case, um, I probably wouldn't have had the funding to start the PAH campaign and actually then, then being a recipient. So it did a full circle. So it was actually a, a really nice um, story. And, you know, I'm very much very pro-British Legion. Um, there are other military charities out there, but I don't think any of them compare to the Legion. You know, it doesn't matter what, you know, what um, conflict you fought in. You know, they are there for you whereas some will only you know work with Iraq or Afghan veterans um, and I think the Legion do so much that people aren't aware of as well I think the, the big one for me is like the, the Invictus Games and the fact that you know everyone sees help for heroes and, and things like that it's actually the British Legion that fund and help support the families on, the, on those things as well so um, the Legion is, is the oldest and I still think the best. So we obviously know that there's, you know, you can, it can be a very sad time Remembrance Sunday as we remember fallen people. But what are some of your favourite parts of it? Because it's not, it's not all doom and gloom, is it? No, it, it's, it's remembering. It's also a celebration. I, I remember, like I said, I used to dread, especially when I was in five nine commando, having to get pull my boots, get my number twos on, and 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 polish my medals. You know, you got about a month build up to that of obviously getting inspections and everything else. But then we'd all go to the the local British Legion, and we'd, it'd almost be then a celebration. We'd have a few drinks, but not just with your friends, but with those that served in other units. And it was great for us to hear stories uh, from the past as well. So I think, yes, it's a remembrance, but it's also a celebration of our forces um, as well, and what they co- uh, continue to do. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about Remembrance Day or, or Remembrance in general? I think we should obviously just keep remembering why we're doing it and what we're doing it for. Don't be distracted by all these other sort of campaigns as well. You know, Yes, war isn't isn't good, but um, you know we need to learn from that, learn from the mistakes of old. And if, if we don't, we'll probably our children will be remembering other conflicts. My name's Corbin Mackin, served with First Battalion in the Rifles, and I was on Operation Herrick Nine. When did you come to know about um, Remembrance Day and Remembrance Services? Uh, I remember. I started remembering it when I was, when I was a kid, like as I was growing up. My dad was in the Navy. Well, Navy, so we were always going to different parades and that um, over the years. And, um, you know, it was a real good event every year that I always remembered. And, um, you know, but as a kid, I don't think you really quite understand how, you know, much passion there is in, in a remembrance type of day. You usually go in there because the whether it's like an air show or whatever, whether it's just a, a gathering. Um, and you, you don't really take it all in, in in that respect. But that's that's when I started knowing it is when I was a kid. And did you, when you joined the military yourself, um, did your like your understanding and remembrance begin to change? Yes, massively. Obviously, when, before you join, I mean, you're watching the documentaries on the military and stuff like that, and and a lot of this documentary was in black and white because that was one of the main wars that we probably were ingrained in us at school as well. And you know, and and you can't really justify like what they had been through until you start to join the military and then you're starting to do your training and you're starting to slowly institutionalize to that that environment and then you start to have 
you know, a special place in your heart about all of the previous wars that have gone on and how much, you know, hurt, you know, how much, um, you know, how many people have lost their lives over the years. And, and that comes into, to, you know, comparison when you start joining the military. Did you, uh, did you ever spend um, a Remembrance Sunday away with the military? Oh, geez. Let me think. Um, probably stagging on somewhere in Bracken Beacons <laughs> more, more than likely. Um, let's think. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was, uh, um, Af- Afghanistan. Oh, I was out there in the winter tour Remembrance Day. So, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, what, that was one time away, I'd say. But I suppose when you're trying to remember, at the same time, you're probably taking it in about yourself, like being out there in the conflict area. So you're kind of remembering your own friends, you know, getting hurt, you know, your own friends, you know, that have uh, have been injured in Afghanistan. And then obviously you're taking a little bit of that with you. And then Remembrance Day starts to mean a lot more. Did you have a ser- did you have a service to you and everything on, on the Remembrance of uh, Sunday in Iraq? I'm uh, sorry, Afghanistan. Um, in what respect? Did did, did in, you have um you know did your um did your unit that you were in Afghanistan with did you have some kind of formal service or was there was there a two minute silence held or anything? Like yeah, that? it's all silence, isn't it? It's all all the, all the silence that we did. Um, I think it was quite hard when you're in a patrol base and stuff like that to properly have done the service. Um, but yeah, I mean. It's one one of the things that you just, you know, there's so much happened and gone on. I can't really remember like the majority of it because it was such a big tour for me. So there was obviously bigger impacts in my life that had went on that sticks out, you know, for me <laughs> personally. So what does remembrance mean to you now? Oh, wow. So since Afghanistan, like remembrance is probably one of the biggest events of my year. Um, you know, um, and that's just for the fact that, you know, when, you know, my brother, Travis, Marine Travis Mackin died out there when we were serving it, um, it obviously that changed my, my whole life. And, um, now I feel like Remembrance Day has such a bigger impact on me and my family and my friends. And, and, and you start to feel that, that you act like, it's such a bad thing because Remembrance Day for me also brings up a lot of memories and it's real hard for me. I get choked up quite a lot. It, you know, I, I start getting in the zone when we're having that silence. It's like I'm trying my best to, to keep it all together because it's that only one time of the year where I know I have to remember the past rather than trying to hide it, lock it away, put it in my box. Um, it is that one time where I give something back, a piece of me that deserves the remembrance over there. Because I'll be honest with you, trying to remember it all the time and trying to think of um, conflicts and that, it, it really does drag me down and it really does hurt me. So I try my best to, you know, find, find, a, find a way to release that energy. And that is Remembrance Day. Like that, all that hurt, that anger, that's that one time where I probably get so overwhelmed. Like it's hard for me to speak. So usually when we have a remembrance, um, when we meet for a remembrance, sorry, usually I have to say a couple of words to friends, family or whatever. Jesus, it gets me every time. Like it really does. As soon as I start talking, that's it. It's just, I can't help it. A bunch of overwhelming energy comes through me and it's like, I can't speak. Literally I'm lost. And that's how much hurt is comes with a remembrance day for me. And that many memories as well. 
So they come back to the surface, which isn't very good. But then usually it's uh, accompanied with lots of beer shots. <laughs> and then uh, that's it then, get a headache. <laughs> is, that, is that a side you enjoy about it, though, is like meeting up with all comrades and stuff? Yeah. Oh, do you know what? Feeling a part of... Um, of the military again like it's a whole military family and like respect it's natural respect doesn't matter where you walk you naturally know who's a veteran who's not (coughs) and um yeah it's it's one of them really i just feel like um it's a good event to have especially for for veterans it's one time that we can actually be a part of a brotherhood again and or surrounded by military people that have experienced similar you know events as yourself does it mean a lot to you to see the country remembering people that have fallen um, you know for in, in in service of like this country oh massively like it doesn't just go for uh, like our our tours but from the actual growth of the wars like when they first started and that let's just go off for world war one um and, and we go off from there like jesus you think of the amount of numbers that died whether people were serving or not even the civilians the lot it's remembrance isn't just about you know for me the serving people who lost their lives but it's as a collective the amount of civilians that lost their lives as well the amount of children teenagers whatever the people that shouldn't have even been at war as well and 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 lied about their ages just to go away and help whatever there's so much like well heroics and and it's 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 mad like if you really do take like that minute silence which isn't long enough mind um if you take that and you really think about the amount of people that lost their lives it it can really grab hold of you and and give you so much more respect to the people that have actually served for their country what do you do obviously this year is different but generally what do you do for remembrance day (laughs) So every year we go to a place called Stonehouse Barracks. It's a Royal Marines barracks and it overlooks the sea and it overlooks Drake's Island. So many people should know HMS Drake or Drake's Island itself. And it's just enclosed away from everything. You're just there with the people that count for like our own little service for Travis, like trying to remember Trav, like, you know, his life and all that sort of stuff. At the same time, obviously we are also remembering everyone that has lost their lives, family members that are obviously um, grieving still to this day. Um, and and that becomes like such a, a big event for us. Um, and it's become like, a, well, a huge event. Like every year it's the same amount of people and, you know, it's it's a nice little service for Trav, like where everyone can come together and just give their one day just to remember him and his life. You're a father. How do you talk to your kids about remembrance? Jeez, well, I'm a father now, but I tell you what, I'm already starting to write, uh, remember lots of stories. And one day, my little ninja river, bless her heart, she's going to know them all when I have the courage to say it, but she's only, what, 17 months old at the minute, so it's quite hard to even go down that subject. <laughs> but she always points at a picture in my kitchen and looks up and points, and then she looks at me because we look quite similar. <laughs> I'm wondering if she's thinking it's me. <laughs> but one day I will tell her that picture is uh, her, her older uncle, Travis. So, you know, it's such a shame. She'll never get to, to see or meet him, you know, which is quite sad, really. It's something I try not to think about too much because it'll get me upset yeah. <laughs> because... Yeah, he would have been such a great uncle to her. Yeah. 
is there anything else that you'd like to say about remembrance or remembrance day um specifically no like just specifically this year um with covid19 going on i think we have to really make sure that our our culture our remembrance day isn't forgotten about you know even with covid19 going on because at the end of the day covid19 is something we cannot help and, and stop but remembrance day everyone can give that minute to silence still wherever you are if it's in the street you're in your car pull over um anything like that and just give that little bit of time that you can offer which is for free just to remember all those people from all the conflicts that have lost their lives and not just that to the day family friends you know oppos or whatever are still struggling and so many people are trying their best to get through life as any way they can and they will keep their barrier up their smiling faces and I'll, I'll put it out there that covid19 is having a massive effect on lots of veterans out there that are struggling and the last thing i like seeing is you know people sorry veterans you know taking their own lives when they have nowhere else to turn and covid19 stops you and the veterans from seeking help it, it, it makes you more depressed because you can't get out. We can't, you know, you can't go and see that one person that you could have went and spoken to because of the different lockdown situations in different areas of the country. So reach out and, and you know, and, and, and give, even if it's that one minute that you can't give to remembrance, give that one minute to that person that's struggling or that one person that's feeling a bit down and you know it deep down or just that, uh, that question, you know, there's always something we can give back, whether or not it's the minute to remembrance or a minute to, to someone you think struggling. And I think that will go a long way.
When you go home, tell them of us and say, for your tomorrow we gave our today.